1: Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Today
2: is the best wrestling in the whole world.
0: You've never seen anything like this on Spike TV.
2: And I didn't come here to see a grown man dressed up like a doctor pulling things out of another man's ass.
1: d get talking. James, their careers are already dead. They don't need another lawsuit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who
1: are you, a stalker? Every time I start talking, you start busting my interviews. Stalking you
0: always. This is BS! This sucks! I've lost my objectivity, and I don't give a damn!
3: Welcome everybody to You've Got To Be Kidding Me episode number 42. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. On this episode we are covering TNA in the month that is November 2005 up to Genesis 2005. I'm Garrett Kidney. I'm joined by Liam Jones. Liam, how are you doing?
2: I am good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty okay. Oh, the, the, the way that your voice trailed off there implied that that was a bold-faced lie.
3: Well, it usually is. You know, covering and masking the deep sadness within us all, I'm doing pretty okay. Mm-hmm. Say relative. You
2: always just throw in relative, and then people don't question it.
3: Yeah, I'm here with my friend. We're going to talk about some TNA wrestling. How could I not mm. be Okay.
2: Me and one of my friends have, like, it's become basically a, a code word for when we know that one of us isn't doing really good, where if anyone sort of... Shut up, pl- truck and or plane. Um, if, like, we're in a public situation and we're asked, like, oh, how are you doing today? And one of us says, live in the dream. We know that we're in a deep-seated depression.
3: Uh-oh, set off the alarm bells.
2: Yeah, if you if you hear that, you know something's wrong. <laughs>
3: Now everyone is going to go back and listen to the previous 41 episodes we've done. Find the instance in which in the intro you've said live in the dream. And it's like, "Oh no. <laughs> I have before." <laughs> I can hear you saying it. So you like it's you've definitely said it I think even on the show and not just I have said when it on I the show. You how you doing? So, there you go. Go find Liam saying live in the dream and find out when he was most depressed while recording a podcast. They're like he said
2: it for 40 of the entry intros.
3: <laughs> it's actually your catchphrase. It's not do the damn thing. It's actually live in the dream. Mm.
2: Except for the first episode.
3: <laughs> wow. It all went downhill from there. Mm. So uh, nothing much going on with you?
2: Um, what's going on with me? It's been a year since we recorded. Yeah. So I don't know.
3: I went to All In. How was that? It was cool. There was a TNA chant. That's the most important part pertinent did to this podcast. It? I didn't start the TNA chant, though I did partake in the TNA chant. The only chant all night that you
2: did? Was
3: it the only one? No, I sang Jarrett's song. Does that count?
2: Was it a chant?
3: I think some other people were also singing "My World," though I did include the "He Ain't Dead, He Ain't the Rock" line, like mm. a, a true OG TNA guy.
2: You don't strike me as a chant guy at a at a wrestling show.
3: Not particularly. It depends on my mood. There's times where I'm feeling boisterous, mm. and I might. And then times where it's like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and watch a wrestling show.
2: In the limited um, amount of wrestling shows I've gone to, I have almost exclusively started chants, and it is mostly when it's someone in the ring that I feel bad for at the crowd being quiet.
3: <laughs> you are just giving them a help and hand? Yeah, well, it's like,
2: I was when I went to the Tomashi shows, like, it wasn't necessarily quiet, but I was like, it's fucking Shingo. I have to make it noisy 24-7. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And like the Goto match. I'm like, I have to just keep starting chance for Shingo and Goto because I need them to know that someone cares. Someone knows the significance of this moment.
3: They didn't come all the way to Australia just for crickets.
2: They weren't like, it wasn't crickets. They were getting like people at the wrestling show reactions mm. where it was like, you know, they're into it and they're making noise. But like, I was like, I need, pe- I need them to know that I know.
3: It's especially worse than smaller venues when people die a
2: death. Well, yeah, you feel so bad for them. And the worst part is is that stupid shtick wrestling is what gets over most in the small venues.
3: Yeah, and maybe based on Adam Cole and MJF, maybe that's what gets over in all wrestling? I don't know. But yeah, wrestling's dead. It is, it might be. It's doomed. Sports entertainment has killed us off.
2: That should that should be the new Wrestling Is promotion.
3: Wrestling is dead. Mm, it's going to be the name of our Patreon company, actually, when we launch it.
2: That, it's not a bad name. Wrestling is dead is a good brand. We should trademark that.
3: With Paul London and cheerleader Melissa.
2: Mm, got another plane.
3: Are, are you being, like, surveilled? It's World War Three. All right. How many planes did you hear before you clicked record in the podcast? Zero. And there's been two in the five minutes since you clicked record in the podcast. I'm just as shocked as you are. Do you think there are people trying to get illicit access to the podcast early?
2: Yeah, I think that's
3: it. <laughs> Being hacked by Russians flying overhead.
2: Without 3% Australian
3: listenership. I, the stats recently suggest there is more Australian listeners than Irish listeners now, which didn't used to be the case. Ah, we've overtaken. You've become a bigger draw in your home country, so well done.
2: Thank you, thank you. You know, when we do the Wrestling is Dead series and there's a sh- one show in Melbourne and one show in Cork, you know, we'll know which one will draw bigger.
3: I think we have actually a requirement to go to the hot impact wrestling town of Wagga Wagga, actually, but... Ooh,
2: fine, we'll do a tour. And that's why you should be on the Patreon and donating through Red Circle... <laughs> It's because so we can run Wrestling is Dead.
3: Yeah, it's a, a, a smooth segue as any, I guess. Too, you can head to tnachat.com slash patreon.com slash kidding me. No, they're two different things.
2: Well, that's one really long
3: link. <laughs> tnachat.com slash patreon.com slash kidding me. The, the, the slash there was actually to indicate two separate mm-hmm. addresses as opposed to a slash within the address, which is perhaps That means more you now have parlance. to buy
2: the full. <laughs> link just in case
3: i don't think i could do that i think i'd have to start no no i might be able to i'd have to put the web page on tnachat.com i guess You can find a way. Either way, you can go to tnhat.com or Mm -hmm. (laughs) patreon.com slash kiddingme, where you can get our watch along of Genesis 2005, our watch along of Bound for Glory last month, and the first impact as well, and all the other watch alongs we've done since then. You can also get our ongoing series covering Lucha Underground. You can get our ongoing series covering Rain Takers, New Japan Pro Wrestling from 2013. All of our other series that are complete now, including the 2010 Monday Night War, including Global Force Wrestling, including... Uh, ring cat king including wrestling society x including 2012 pwg there is so much content there now for the low price of five bucks or ten bucks depending on what tier or if you want to jump in the one buck tier you can get show notes you can get an ad-free episode just for a buck as well as our star ratings so value for money many tiers give us money patreon.com slash kidding me
2: very good that's professionalism right there
3: I think that is, bar the um, uh, perhaps unfortunate phrasing around uh, slashes, the most (laughs) efficient Patreon plug I've ever done. You should just like cut cut that bit out and then you can just now put it in whatever. I don't even think I forgot one of the show names. I didn't go for show names, which is probably why it went well. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to come up with uh, Ring Cat Kings, Global Force Gold, review it for her. Was it called Global
2: Force Gold?
3: I think we called it Global Force Gold, yeah.
2: I didn't even know that.
3: And you can get your global force gold at tnachat.com.
2: Oh, let's start grifting people.
3: Uh, Some would argue we're probably already grifting people. Hey, yo! These people are listening to our TNA Wrestling podcast. <laughs> we're at least grifting their time away from them.
2: Yeah, and I'm fine with that.
3: We are coming up, uh, as we record this and it re- as it releases, about a week from the airing of the 1000th episode of Impact, which is yep. like crazy to think about, as we're, we're covering like 69 to 71, I think, on this episode. <laughs> and this is 2005, and they're all the way up to 1,000. 1000 episodes of television impact slash tna is produced over the last 19 years since impact launched in june 2004 and like i feel like that's a, an achievement like you shouldn't undersell in any way that's a lot of episodes of tv i
2: wonder where that would put them in like old time rankings of television shows with number of episodes
3: there's a, a bunch of shows obviously that like soap operas that air daily that mm-hmm. you know cultural institutions that have been running from the 60s 50s uh, that would have run up the numbers in that regard which is the reason like you can mock W. B. for saying weekly episodic but it, it is one of those things where it's like it's a different category than daily talk show or soap opera or like Jerry Springer or, or an, anything that has like a, a more frequent case than like a weekly scripted television show because mm-hmm. like a weekly scripted television show going that long there's like Doctor Who which I'm not sure is that even up to a thousand episodes it might be I'm that's been going though. ages what else? what other shows ran the for The Simpsons The Simpsons is as a, as a gooden. That's run since the 90s. I'm sure that's over a thousand episodes. I mean, you go
2: into like, it's probably like anime stuff, right?
3: Yeah, an anime really runs up the score because like there's a lot of shows and they do run more than once a week. And like Pokemon would be another one that is obviously like. One Piece has
2: 1,071 episodes.
3: So it's a little bit ahead of Impact. But But... One
2: Piece will probably die quicker, so you'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Who has 862 episodes. Uh, episodes.
3: Yeah, because they would have run shorter seasons and, and more intermittently especially in recent years. But yeah, so so Impact has only been going since 2004 and has over a thousand. Doctor Who's been going since like the 50s and it's, 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 it hasn't even reached a thousand. So, what does that say, huh? I'm looking at
2: Sandman mansion
3: uh, you're finding international shows.
2: Uh, AKA Our Little Sandman or The Little Sandman mm. um, has over 22,000 episodes.
3: <laughs> what the fuck?
2: 61 seasons yeah um then you know these are all so these are all your soaps now after that soaps and game shows
3: yeah, which obviously run daily, generally, or oh, multiple like, like, times a week, what's at least.
2: Like the, uh, a show called Blue Peter.
3: That's a, a children's show in the UK. That mm. uh,
2: that has 5,173
3: episodes. That's quite a feat. Can you imagine making that many of... Like, we're on 42 of these, and that seems Sesame like a lot. Sesame Street? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh,
2: 4,600. Mm. I'm looking for, like, stuff that is in a soap opera or a children's show, because, like, children's shows seem
3: to be the most...
2: Oh, it just ends. <laughs>
3: You have to go to a separate page.
2: Yeah, I can't find weekly episodic. <laughs> it's
3: because it's actually a made-up category for WWE. I know, but
2: like, it, what? how else would you describe it?
3: Uh, scripted shows. Like, Sesame right. Street is scripted, so that doesn't really count.
2: Well, that, well, that one that would, would be a legitimate contender for the top.
3: Elmo's not shooting. <laughs> what would Elmo shoot about? You're taking the, the uh, work well script in TEW for Elmo. Imagine doing like Sesame Street TEW. You're putting, you're putting together your episodes <laughs> of Sesame Street. All Oscar right. the Grouch is like, I haven't been used well lately. Well, let
2: me tell you right now. Mm-hmm. Liberty <laughs> Roar is not on this Wikipedia. You're number one. This is incorrect. <laughs> oh, Hi. these are primetime television series in the US.
3: What's number one there? the simpsons that makes sense
2: 750 then is law that
3: 750 i guess it, it is like 22 episode seasons yeah yeah 750
2: so you know two, you got 250 on the simpsons
3: yeah fuck you homer
2: law and order svu fuck you bells and then law and order
3: maybe he's in the first or do law and order i don't then know then family guy it seems today
2: gun smoke
3: yeah, that was one that the, I think they're the, like a big deal when they overtook Gunsmoke at some stage.
2: Well, I don't know why Law and Order is ranked above this because Gunsmoke has more than Law and Order.
3: You you have issues with the Wikipedia page here.
2: I mean, like, what what what, what, what are we doing here? You know, what are we what are we? Lassie.
3: That dog. Kept on saving people from wells. The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. You would think you'd get sick of the dog being bark barked down the well, but God, it gets you every time. 591
2: episodes later.
3: <laughs> yeah. Eventually Lassie gets stuck in the well and dies. What's the stupidest one in here? The
2: fact that Bob's Burgers is ranked, it makes me old. Isn't that
3: only like five seasons? Thirteen seasons. Really? That's like when you realise Bones has been running for like 16 seasons. Not anymore. Bones is dead. Yeah, when Bones was still on the air and you'd look at it as, like, it's in season fucking 14. Or Supernatural was another one that you're just like, how are they still doing this? There's a bunch of bullshit. Smallville's on here? I like Smallville. I've never seen it. One of my favorite shows growing up. You're going to call it a kid
2: show and people are going to get mad at you.
3: Well, it is. But well, it started on, like, the C-Dub as very much an aimed at teens show and then kind of grew out of it as, as its audience grew up.
2: Well, let me tell you, Garrett. Of mm. everything on here, Impact beats it.
3: Yeah. And listen, it's very easy to to say that, that, that they said it wouldn't last a week. <laughs> they mm-hmm, said mm-hmm. it wouldn't last a month. But you go back and read those observers and fucking Dave Meltzer said it wouldn't last a week. <laughs> So, there we are, a thousand episodes down the line. It's it's a lot of episodes. It's to be commended. There's a lot of good episodes and a lot of bad episodes and a lot of just episodes of wrestling television. What's the longest running wrestling television show? Is it Raw at this stage or is it like still
2: Saturday Night? Um, it is an Argentinian. <laughs> oh, like that's currently running? Well, because this Argentinian promotion ran from 1962 to 1988.
3: Hmm. I know, like Memphis ran for ages in various incarnations. Oh, sorry, that was just the 19.
2: Put them all in the same god. Goddamn... Whatever. <laughs> Why wouldn't it all be in the same one?
3: <laughs> this is not sorted. Good. The second they took moves out of the wrestling Wikipedia, it all just went to shit.
2: Um. Well, Garrett yes your um wikipedia list impact as having 989 episodes
3: updated there was so many bad i was counting those episodes and like cage match was a few off wikipedia it didn't actually cite the number for anything it just had a number on the page which was also wrong there was an another uh the smackdown hotel i think is a wiki i think mm-hmm. that's the name of it also it wrong <laughs> they were all slightly wrong so literally when working out which episode was actually Impact a 1000 I had to fucking count them manually you pieces of shit
2: well, Garrett. Yes. You'll be ecstatic to know, fucking wait, okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think one, two, three, four. Documented. I think mm-hmm. this is the fourth most amount of episodes.
3: Uh, raw SmackDown. What else is what's, what? What is there?
2: Um. Well, in twenty-four episodes, Garrett. Yeah. Impact will become the third most amount of television. Shows in wrestling history, according to this one Wikipedia page. Uh but you just got to be WWE Bottom Line and WWE Afterburn. What? <laughs> which have one thousand and twenty-three episodes each.
3: They had oh, because they're they're the same show, aren't they? But they're branded differently in different regions.
2: Um. Hmm.
3: Because it would be very weird for them to have the exact same number. Oh of no, episodes. it's still running,
2: Gary. You need Afterburn and and Bottom Line to die first.
3: Yeah, every so often, I sent you a clip of Scott Stanford from doing an episode of Afterburn or whatever. And I, I it was actually when they were celebrating a thousand, wasn't it? He was like a thousand episodes mm-hmm. of Afterburn. Scott Stanford still here somehow in WWE's headquarters, being paid to host things long after the my peak of the run on <laughs> Zack Ryder's internet show.
2: I like Scott Stanford because he's clearly very aware of the bullshit.
3: Yeah. Afterburn was like
2: the most prominent pro wrestling show in Australia for a while.
3: Oh, because it was like just the only one on TV. It was it was the only one on free TV. Afterburn never even had matches, though, did it? It
2: was like highlights. Um, and Could- then it was like called W Experience here or something for a bit.
3: Because that's what, like, Heat and Velocity were all mostly highlights, but did usually have an original match.
2: Yeah, there, there was no original matches, it's just, like, recaps and highlights of Roar and SmackDown.
3: Yeah, at the start they were, they were actual shows, but then slowly became less actual shows with just a Val Venus match for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Afterburn never even got that. And Afterburn's still here, so clearly people don't want original content, they just want <sighs> highlights.
2: Exactly. Alright, Garrett, I have a game for you. And you should be able to ace this. hmm Every streaming platform that has hosted TNA Impact in America, I guess, specifically.
3: Oh, all the television networks? No, every streaming network. What streaming networks have posted TNA Impact? It's been on iTunes. Okay. But, like, I want everything, so go. You used to be able to buy individual episodes of Impact on iTunes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Global Wrestling Network. Okay, I also want the TV here. Come on, give me everything.
2: I'm just not specifying TV because there were errors where they were on other platforms.
3: They started on Fox Sports Net. Yes. Then moved to Real Player. Yes. <laughs> then Spike TV for a very long time.
2: You've missed one.
3: Oh well, well does it have like the Sunshine Network in there?
2: It has Urban America Television.
3: Yeah, that's one of the places that aired in syndication during the summer. Mm-hmm. Then there's like, a Spike. Yes. Then we had our Destination America days.
2: A wonderful run. Just a it was look it was looked like it was gonna be a good time to be a pro wrestling fan, baby.
3: It lasted a year. Less it lasted like four months.
2: I wanted that ROH double shot. That's all I wanted.
3: Then we had our friends at Pop. Mm-hmm. Then we had Pursuit slash Twitch.
2: Yeah, that's what I was looking for. I wanted that Twitch
3: drop. Yeah, because Lord knows if it was just Pursuit, no one on Earth would have watched it. And now we're
2: on the the wonderful, amazing, just all-time great network, Access TV. Everyone, watch Access.
3: Yeah, or you can also watch New Japan.
2: You can watch New Japan. You know what else you can watch on Access?
3: (laughs) You can watch episodes of Hot Ones.
2: You can you can watch some music festivals at certain points.
3: There's a lot of music. It is a, a music focused network in general.
2: You can watch the big interview with Dan Rather. Mm. You can watch Rock and Roll Road Trip with Sammy Hagar. Mm, all the stars. Real Money with Any Money. Ah, uh, wordplay! The top ten revealed.
3: Yeah, very, very, the best very, of the 80s. very
2: best of the seventies.
3: Oh, you went for seventies. I was so upset that I nearly named the very, very best of the eighties. I know the network content. I'm a pro. The X Factor UK. Ooh, Simon Cowell being a cunt.
2: Trunk Fest with Eddie Trunk. <laughs> wordplay. Paul Schaefer plus one. He has a guest, and that guest was Sammy Hagar at one point. That's cross. Whoa-ho. Branded.
3: Network Synergy, baby.
2: Invicta FC.
3: MMA.
2: bell Boxing. Wall Burgers. mm mm-hmm. uh, A show that my mother would have been very pleased to know that was on this network. LA Inc.
3: Yeah. Wasn't that on Spike, too?
2: Let's have a look. LA Inc.
3: I'm thinking, like, Ink Masters or something like that. Uh,
2: Ink Masters was Spike.
3: Yeah, so that's probably what I'm thinking These are all
2: shows I grew up on, because my parents would constantly watch them. But you know where it is now, though, yeah. Where? Access TV. (laughs) 25 minutes in, probably could do something at this point, right?
3: That brings us... To the month that was November 2005, uh, how did you feel about the this month, about Genesis, about TNA, about Christian Cage?
2: Uh, well, before Christian Cage, I want to talk about the, like, prime time episode of Impact, mm. which I thought was awesome. And I kind of just wish that, like, every week was like that. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so the, the November 3rd episode aired in primetime, still taped, but in primetime on Thursday night, at, I think it was 9pm. And it was a two-hour episode of Impact, the first two-hour episode, it was episode number 70, and that's the first two-hour episode for you trivia nerds. And it did feel like a an actual, proper, fully-featured two hours of television that they had like loaded up. like a real
2: up. pro wrestling show. More than most of Impact's do.
3: If they were to actually go two hours at the moment, I don't think the average episode would be as loaded as that one was.
2: Obviously not.
3: It did feel like a real, fully featured, this is what two hours in prime time of us could look like, and that would look pretty good.
2: Yeah, and, um... gotta but imagine how dire some of those shows would get at this point. Or at least some of the portions of those shows would get.
3: Yeah, because the main event of the first Impact we're going to talk about is AMW against 3 uh, K, and then you're like, oh. oh
2: uh. mm. I- <laughs> (laughs) like that um they're like you know we're on prime time we gotta put our best foot forward that's right baby diamonds in the rough let's go
3: (laughs) everyone loves putting diamonds in the rough out first it really gets you going i did like my today like multiple times on that episode being like call your friends get your phone out call your friends tell them that impact is on television call them call them right now (laughs) please we beg of you Again, this is,
2: like, another one of those episodes where I'm watching it and I'm like, I think Impact might be the greatest of all time at putting their, like, foot forward for a first-time viewer experience when they're, like, put in a new position. Mm. They really nail that, like, reintroduction to the company episode. The problem is, for some reason, they can't consistently, like, they can can obviously identify the values that the company has because they do it multiple times. And they're like, this is what's so good about the company. And then, like, the next week they're like, alright, now back to the, re- the path that we've been walking, which isn't highlighting all the things that we know people love about us.
3: So, yeah, we've tricked people into jumping on board, now we can go back to Jeff Jarrett bullshit.
2: But it's like, they clearly understand it, because mm. whenever they're, like, re- launching a show, or doing one of their, like, famous, like, restarts, or they're put in a primetime position for the first time, they know what people are after. But for some reason, they just don't stick to those things.
3: Yeah, because this is the third time, arguably, they've done it so far. Obviously, the FSN debut, the Spike debut, and now this Primetime Special, all of which are, in theory, on paper, meant to introduce TNA to a new audience, and and, and, uh, hopefully a larger audience, though it didn't turn out to be the case with the Primetime Special. Uh, But, they're like, okay, new people, new eyeballs, what are we, and how should we make people care about what we are? And as you said, it's always like, X Division front and centre, Styles front and centre, AMW front and centre, you know, the, the good wrestlers that they the people like and then (laughs) over time it just slips to being like well it's kevin nash again right okay it's
2: just it's i don't get it i don't get how like they can clearly understand what sets them apart and what makes them cool and unique and new and then they just never actually
3: stick to it like i do have a theory that over time wrestling bookers just get bored
2: well yeah i think that's part of it and then CM Punk tries to kill them
3: but that also happens sometimes too (laughs) but a lot of the time you don't see the the people stick to like the same same things that work because I think they just get bored of their own booking and then like that's uh, like Vince is I think the ultimate case of a guy who was just completely bored by professional wrestling as a concept at this stage which is the reason that he changes his mind every two weeks and also resentful of it. But he's just not excited by it anymore. Like, he has been no. living in this world, writing, like, four to ten hours of television every single week for the last 40 years of his life, and he just can't get excited by this thing anymore. And I think, over time, a lot of the time, you see a lot of bookers, will be like, they'll start veering from the path, and they'll start doing more wacky, silly stuff, just because they've gotten bored doing the straight-laced stuff, but... Uh, uh, that's all to say that's not really the case here because they haven't been booking it long enough.
2: Yeah. And, like, they have a new booker every three minutes, too, so you shouldn't be getting bored. Maybe that's the key. You have a rotating roster of bookers that all, like, are on a committee, but then there's one head booker, and every, like, six months you swap out to the next guy.
3: Yeah, so you have, like, five people on a committee and you change the lead every few months?
2: Yeah, and then, like, that way, like, people don't get resentful because they're still part of the creative team but they get like a break from being, having it all on them. And then in that, like, period where they're not in charge, that lets them
3: refresh and think of new ideas. Yeah, because, like, people say wrestling is easy, and I think what what they mean is it's usually not as hard as wrestling companies generally make it out to be. (laughs) No, I think what they
2: mean is that uh, I could do it and I want to do it. (laughs) Let me do it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, but, like, to do it over time, to book well, and to, like, like, thoughtfully book a wrestling show long term. Most wrestling
2: fans could probably book a pretty solid one month of a wrestling show.
3: (laughs) Yep. And then they'd be like, someone would get hurt, and then someone would get injured, and then someone would try to fight you backstage, and then like, like even just the the random stuff of like, oh, that didn't get over, and that didn't work, and my angles aren't what I thought they'd be. Well, that
2: yeah, that probably has to like like weigh on you too. Is like, I I thought this was such a great idea, and it died to death. And then it's like crisis of faith. Is like, do I know what I'm doing?
3: Yeah, especially if you're doing, like, live weekly, where, uh, like, even the the, the firmest of convictions might be rattled and uh, shaken by something, just dying a death, not getting over. Or, conversely, you have to then adjust if something you didn't expect to get over randomly gets over, and then you have to see how yeah as i said how stubborn are you going to get about that happening and are you willing to just go with the hot hand that you didn't create as opposed to the thing that you're like stubbornly trying to justify your own existence by it? it's like there is more layers to it than the, than i think the average person actually considers even though i think on average wrestling companies do make things more complicated than they nearly ever need to be
2: i think probably part of it is that attitude of like my idea is the right idea And Mm -hmm. an unwillingness to, like, be malleable about your ideas and be like, well, my idea isn't going the way i thought it was gonna go but there's something in it that's getting a giant reaction i should just pivot completely to that and instead they go no i want to finish my idea first and then we can pivot to that but by the time they get to that stage the thing that was hot has already started to smolder and is now when you go to it people are gonna go well that would have been cool a month ago that would have been cool six months ago
3: yeah and like to go back to to like, it's an excuse that I think will dwindle increasingly, especially as we get toward the end of the year. But like they they probably don't yet still have the roster depth to do like real killer weekly TV every week. Like, they, they don't have the fresh matches to actually do that at the moment, even for mm. an hour show. But they're increasingly getting there with additions of, like, 3D, of Christian, of, like, when you look at the X Division at the moment, where you have, like, Strong, Ares, Shelly, Saban, Dutt just kind of doing undercard stuff. It's like, th- there is increasingly more and more depth there. They're getting to the point where that's not an excuse. I
2: think part of that would have been, they would have been beneficial of, like, and I get, like, there's probably trepidation, um in like at at best it's trepidation at worst it's like weird pro wrestling attitude stuff that like you should be mixing these x division guys more and just doing like feuds with people who aren't in the x division because that would increase your roster dynamic and depth like twofold immediately like if you weren't afraid to just be like for this month alex shelley is going to feud with jeff hardy and then we'll do a jeff hardy alex shelley match at the pay-per-view if they weren't, like, afraid of that dynamic, that would instantly sort of extend their roster. But there's, like, clearly they are, and they want to keep everything insular in that division. It's so, like if they were just like, hey, we're going to take Christopher Daniels and put him against Sabu, you know what I mean? Like, it would just immediately sort of expand that roster, but because they want to keep the exhibition Division as its own sort of thing, that kind of, I don't know, it, uh, it limits them even further.
3: Yeah, and I'm even, like, a little bit torn on that as an idea in general, just because traditionally... Anytime you've seen the X Division expand beyond the X Division and interact with uh, like with other areas of the company that aren't the X division, the X division is then usually generally treated as less than like, it's always like, Oh, it's the X Division guys coming in and losing or they're being nerds or someone's trying to bully them or something like that. And it's never just like, you know, Daniels is just a guy who can wrestle AJ for the belt and also wrestle Jared for the belt.
2: Yeah. Like that, because you could see how immediately that would make this show bigger. Mm. But again, you could say that about everything. It's like, like, you just got to do things right, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, that makes this a real simple explanation. It's like, these are all great ideas and, like, things that would and can work, but you just have to do them with, like, out this weird attitude of separa- separate separan. Oh, whatever, fuck me. Separation. That wasn't the word I was looking for in case you, you thought you were
3: thinking otherwise. Um,
2: like, if there wasn't this attitude that these things aren't on the same level, like, just make them the same level and it will work.
3: Yeah, it goes back to like a wrestling Mm -hmm. fan Mm -hmm. attitude that you hear a lot about how like, oh, authority figures are bad or brand splits are bad or angles about people who are friends who don't want to hurt each other are bad. And like those, all those as like absolutionist terms, it's very stupid. Like there can be a great brand split. You can do that really well. There can be a great authority figure. You can do that really well. You can do the why am I so violent to my friend angle really, really well.
2: Interference.
3: Yeah, the problem then becomes when they become tropes that are overly common or have just been badly used to the extent that they feel old and tired. And then people just keep doing them and they keep doing them badly and then no matter what, you'll be getting money in the bank cash-ins until the end of your life. Yeah. There are very, very few ideas on paper in wrestling that are are bad, like, flat out.
2: A lot of it just requires something that isn't prevalent in pro wrestling and that is restraint.
3: Mm-hmm generally not people who can hold back or do things smartly
2: <laughs> well no like, because like you know a part of i think it's something that's intrinsical in wrestling is this attitude of go 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 go, go you know keep the viewers attention don't make them switch channels just do things
3: that's mm. so what we call it the Vince Russo mentality. Oh my god,
2: Ev- he won. He won in the end.
3: Yeah, well, like th- there's not no merit to that. Like, that that you do value the viewer's attention span, and value their time, and try to give them something interesting while they're giving you that time, but then you don't want to flip to the crazy side of that where you are desperate for that. That, like, you are desperate for their time, and you are desperate for any second they can give you, and you are so afraid that they will tune out the that you sabotage everything around you in order to try and keep their attention yeah. that brings us to the news starting with the Why big you story read for the, the month.
2: news I have to clean my hand because it has burst into blood
3: What did you do to yourself?
2: I don't know I look down and my whole thumb is bleeding
3: you got so fired up <laughs> about like theor- theories of booking that you started blading your hand just to get some color brother.
2: Yeah, exactly so yeah talk about Christian
3: on October 30th in Los Angeles Christian gave his notice to WWE there was a lot to this story which will almost surely end with him coming to TNA very quickly from a name standpoint he was Christian Cage on the independents before coming to WWE so with prior usage at worst he could call himself Christian Cage which he does or more likely simply keep the name Christian which he doesn't the precedent here would be Honky Tonk Man who was Honky Tonk Wayne and Stampede nope Christian Cage Dave <laughs> and I'll allowed to continue to he used the name Honky Tonk Man anywhere he wanted because he came into a, the relationship with the basics of the name and the character. It was no secret that Christian was unhappy with his slot and lack of upward mobility, even though he had been getting some incredible crowd responses a few months back when he was cutting promos on the poser John Cena. However, he did nothing but jobs, and the move to SmackDown didn't change that. He had been losing momentum without a good program and with constant TV losses. There was feelings expressed that the wrestlers are told to get over with the audience to justify a push, but in reality... The company decides and slots everyone ahead of time. Which goes back to the booking conversation we had a second ago about this guy got over organically and then he's being punished for it because he wasn't the chosen guy to get over at the moment. Classic pro wrestling booking, it's stupid. If someone like Christian gets consistent crowd reactions far greater than their allotted spot, it doesn't matter. So Christian's contract has expired. He's friends with Scott DeMore of TNA, dating back to their days as Canadian independent wrestlers. Those close to him believe he is starting with TNA imminently. He then signed a contract with TNA on November. A third so he didn't wait around uh, he's, he's going to be used on top and instead of teasing it on television ahead of time they decided to tease it on the internet a little bit and then he showed up on the pay-per-view i
2: just poured hand sanitizer into my open
3: wound that's generally how you heal yourself i think so right uh, did it sting yeah yeah It sting <laughs> no that's not for another few months
2: uh do you think that is because they didn't know if it was happening when they were filming tv
3: it's one of those things, and Dave kind of goes on about it a bit. That like, oh, they would have boosted buys if they had uh, like teased it or announced it on TV. And like, th- I think they they tried to thread the needle of having people expecting a big surprise without ruining the surprise. Because it's that weird thing where like wrestling fans do love the surprise, but more mm-hmm. people will then buy the show if they know it's going to happen.
2: Yeah. Well, like it's like a twofold thing where it's like. You buy it because you hope it's gonna happen, but the mm. real thing, you just want the music to hit.
3: <laughs> yeah, so like the, the tease was that like the biggest acquisition in company history would be debuting at Genesis. But they didn't put that anywhere on the TV show. Like maybe if they ended the show with like a an MCU style stinger just being like, oh big thing happening, Genesis.
2: Well you could've like well his his entrance video was literally a countdown. <laughs> yeah. You could have just done a countdown.
3: And, like, given he, he signed the contract November 3rd, it's not a case that, like, he signed the deal too late to get it on that last TV. Like, that last TV was November 12th. There's loads of time.
2: See, I was going to ask, like, maybe they were like, we've already fucked this up so many times. <laughs> we were like, the big thing's
3: happening, and then it doesn't happen. Maybe they were just like, let's just do it when we really know. Let's just deliver a cool surprise. People will buy the show next month for Christian. It's fine. Well,
2: that's the thing too. I guess like, you know, that first match is going to be a bigger draw anyway.
3: mm in an interview with WWE.com, basically his exit interview, which I find funny that they interviewed him being like, hey, what's going on? Are you leaving? Because like there was a weird thing where like he was offered a contract backstage at SmackDown. And he was like, no. And then he went from, like I think it was a four-way, and he ended up being pinned all of a sudden in that match. And then they announced he was leaving, even though he was still wrestling on TV after they announced he was leaving. So there's like people being in the crowd with signs being like, sign Christian on WWE shows with <laughs> Christian. Christian's still on them, even though he hadn't. He was going to leave. It's a, it's a weird little set of circumstances.
2: There was like a few things weird around it because like there was like a thing with the game as well where he was in the game but they removed like all of his logos. That's strange. Like yes, yeah, so like he just had like blue tights.
3: I'm surprised Vince didn't put the the blue dot over his face.
2: Yeah, well, there you go. It's pretty much the same thing, right? And, like, there was another one where it's, like, he was meant to be in one, and then they cut him out, but, like, all these assets are still... It's, like, the Christian jump was like, one of those very weirdly handled ones.
3: Because it's one of those where, like, they fucking should have seen it coming. Based on how they booked him, how he got over, and then got absolutely no opportunities whatsoever. You know what I think it was? What?
2: I think it was they were so firmly used to being the only game in town at this point. They were like, like, what else is he gonna, what's he gonna fucking do? You know, it's like, he was. where's he gonna go? There's no WCW.
3: Yeah, and like Christian's one of their guys. He's been there since like 97 or whatever. Yeah, so
2: it's like, they probably just didn't even think it was an option. Like, nowadays, they're like, we have to lock everyone down because, like, they could go to 75 different places.
3: Mm, whereas here, there was probably a little bit of hubris of, like, you're not gonna go to fucking TNA. Come on. Come on.
2: Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're not gonna go to TNA. What are you gonna do? Gonna go to Japan?
3: <laughs> and, like, th- th- it's actually funny to look back on that era of, like, 2005 Christian working with John Cena. And I think the beginning of the crowd like rejecting Cena is actually part of like the Christian story. Or like while he was feuding with Cena that summer, the crowd generally kinda sided with Christian, and Christian was like the underpush guy that people really wanted to see succeed. And then the, that kind of that resentment kind of over time transferred onto Cena as like he's the handpicked company guy who's actually holding like our championed guy Christian down. So I like the Christian plays a weird important role in like the the narrative of john cena's career going forward from here I've
2: definitely seen all this and know exactly what you're talking about.
3: Uh, but yes, in that WWE.com interview, he said, It's a lot of personal reasons as to why I made the decision to leave WWE, and actually too many to get into. But I will say this. I gave everything I had to do WWE for eight years. I gave everything to the fans. I, gave, I feel they gave me everything they had. But you know, never say never in this business. Hopefully they won't forget about Christian and we'll see what happens in the future. He's jumping to TNA.
2: Yeah, he's a...
3: I mean, this is an amazing get. He is like the perfect get because he's thirty-one here, bang in the middle of his prime. He is one of those guys who has a strong reputation that WWE has dropped the ball on. So he's he's not the case of like he was fired. That's another one. He he wasn't fired. He did jump. He made sure to state he was that abundantly clear that this was a choice <laughs> that he did in fact jump to TNA. So like this narrative, this like like the this the underappreciated guy who's a great promo, who's a good worker, who is right in the middle of his prime and has a reputation for the ball being dropped with him in the other company, is like the perfect package to jump to TNA right now. It's exactly what you would have, well, like you probably would have wanted Shawn Michaels or Kurt Angle now, but you're not getting those now. Whereas Christian like perfectly fits, I think the narrative of TNA at the moment and the kind of guy you'd want to be like, this is why you want to come here because you'll get the chances you won't get there.
2: That's the selling point of TNA for a lot of these people. Like, you know, you want to watch these guys, but you don't want to watch them there. You'll have them here.
3: And they'll ideally be better here. (laughs) It's the the AEW ethos too. Mm. It's like, they're not actually different. They'll just be better.
2: Yeah, they'll just be allowed to
3: be better so then he did debut on genesis he came out as the big surprise uh, about an hour into the show uh they because they, they had a few backstage interviews we'll talk about them when we're talking about the stories themselves where, where like franchise was with uh Jarrett. he was with Trial k he was with monty afterwards he was with, with, with abyss and mitchell and he mentioned like oh the acquisition the acquisition and then christian comes out to his fake evanescence theme which is his theme to this day which is the theme that i heard at all in in wembley in front of eighty thousand people with <laughs> Big Ben countdown. Yeah. I did throw up my double C's for Christian Cage. I love the double C. The Captain Charisma. He
2: should bring it back.
3: He did it while he was in, like, the Impact run while he was world champion. He's like, uh, he'll throw up the double C's because that's where he did it.
2: He's a fucking worker. He is. Last of the true workers.
3: So he comes out with his cool Captain Charisma uh, jacket. Gets a great reaction, Crowder. Super duper. And his jeans. Yeah, his jeans and his white t-shirt. World white shirt. It's not a t-shirt.
2: I'm just wearing jeans and
3: a wrestling (laughs) jacket. It's a chaotic fit. This is 2005. There are no rules. They cut to backstage reactions from Jarrett and Monty on monitors. Christian said he didn't come here to see the same guy say the same thing week after week. And then you can hear Jarrett in the background say for months and months. Uh, Like, sir, you are not allowed to say that. Of all the people in this company, you cannot co-sign that comment, sir. No, when, when you're constantly being compared to each other. He didn't come here to see a grown man dressed as a doctor pulling things out of another man's ass, to which Tanae enthusiastically punctuates with an Amen. Like, he's such a hype man for Christian. Oh, even better is the next one when he's like, and you can be damn sure he didn't come because he got fired. He jumped! Butts in with the, the moral's most enthusiastic he jumped. It's so good. I love him so much. He said he was offered good money to stay because there was a rumour he was lowballed again he's getting out in front of all this shit. Hell oh, yeah, bang bang. Kind like he came to TNA because he loves wrestling. WWE is old, boring, and lacking direction. And this is TNA. And he's coming for the NWA title and throws a little shot at Jared for wearing white after Labor Day.
2: What is white after Labor Day?
3: It's one of those, like, fashion things. You don't wear white after Labor Day. I don't know, is there, like, a symbolic meaning to not wearing white after Labor Day? But you don't wear white after Labor Day. Like, for the rest of the year? Also, Christian's wearing white right now in this promo, <laughs> which is after Labor Day. I don't get it. Neither do I. Was, uh, Americans, explain to me why you don't wear white after Labor Day, please.
2: And like how long that lasts.
3: The, yeah, does it? Is it like till January 1st and then you can wear white again?
2: Or is it like literally the
3: day after? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he dropped the because that's how I roll catchphrase. Great catchphrase. But he wasn't not there alone. Scott Moore and Bobby Roode come out. Oh. Because they're Canadian. The, the grin on Damore's face as he's walking down the ramp, he's like, my pal, my fellow Canadian, ah! Chris is like, ah, oh, this guy. <laughs> So, Demore comes out and he gives the pitch. You should join Team Canada. You should join Planet Jared. You, of all people, know the importance of having the right backup, being in with the right crew. Uh, we go way back. Think of all the, named a number of incidents on the indies where him and Adam came up together. And Christian was pondering. He was about to ask a question. And Rude jumped in. And was like, you fucking better join Team Canada, pal. And Demore's like, What the fuck? <laughs> Rude demands an answer right now. Demore is not pleased. He's like, "Oh, Bobby, 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 back off!" And he uses the rest of the night. We'll talk about the rest of that when we get to the actual programs themselves. But yeah, good promo, great reaction. It's a little silly that he's he's like getting out in front of the narratives. It's like I wasn't fired. They didn't lowball me. I jumped, baby. But uh, listen, you're 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 at war. So that's the kind of stuff you do. Yeah,
2: and it's like not as uh, not as annoying as it will become. For, like, the WWE guy to come in and be like, WWE bad? Crowd mm. goes crazy. I being held down. Crowd goes nuts.
3: Or you can go the Damien Sandow route, where they chant, you're a genius, and he says, shut up, that's a character from somewhere else, and I don't like
2: it. Uh, the Jericho one, the bad creative <laughs>
3: Yeah, except uh, Damien Sandow maybe was only that character and should have stuck to it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's Christian. Uh, it's it's nice to have him around. Christian's cool. He sure
2: is. <laughs> People without fathers beware in the TNA locker room. <laughs>
3: You're going to have to Google and find out who doesn't have a dad. Mm. He has a spreadsheet, I'm sure. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: That's the first thing. He's, he's like walking around the, the locker room, being like, Oh, hey, hey, yeah, hey, AJ, nice to meet you. How's your father? It's like, Oh, well, uh, actually, it's like, yes. And yes, he's yes. like, hmm,
2: Very interesting. And he a comically large tick next to his name on
3: it. <laughs> Jay Stevens suffered a broken neck at the Impact taping on October 25th during a match with Buck Quatermain and Lex Lovett. Of all the matches to fucking break your neck in,
2: against two seasoned professionals.
3: You're the naturals wrestling a squash against Buck Quatermain and Lex Lovett. And that's where you yeah. break your neck. Uh, Stevens mistimed an elevated move and crashed down on his neck and head, fracturing the C5 and C6 vertebrae in his neck. According to TNRSing.com, Stevens suffered the mildest form of trauma associated with a broken neck. As of <laughs> Friday, Stevens was pain-free, but doctors recommended he take at least one week away to recover from an, an injury that fuck? usually takes three to six weeks for a normal person. I feel like any context in, the wor- in which the words broken neck are involved should involve longer than a week away from wrestling. That's cut angle shit. Steven's told TNAwrestling.com that he didn't realize he suffered a severe injury until sometime after the impact of the move. It wasn't until I made the tag to Andy Douglas that I had an extra second to realize I couldn't feel my hands. My back was slowly starting to tingle. I'm a little sore. I do feel about 95% and feel like I could wrestle now if doctors would let me.
2: (laughs) Wrestlers are fucking crazy.
3: He broke his neck. He's like, those stupid doctors won't let me wrestle. They're going to make me wait a week. It's not like the Naturals have anything left. They've lost the tag titles. It's over.
2: He's wanted that pay-per-view payday.
3: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Chase Stevens won't miss much time, despite breaking his goddamn neck.
2: Wrestlers are dumb.
3: TNA announced it has signed former Tough Enough winner and WWE wrestler Jackie Gator. Cool. You have any Jackie Gator memories? Nah. I suppose you would have been a little too young. And even, like, that's during the year I would have watched it, I also have no Jackie Gator memories, so...
2: Yeah, give, like, seven memories right now.
3: There was that time she won Tough Enough. Mmm... I remember more Nidia because Nidia was, like, with Jamie Noble and stuff on TV in a way that was yeah, memorable. Yeah, she did the
2: sex thing.
3: I, I don't remember a single thing Jackie Gator did.
2: Was Jackie Gator, like, with Charlie Hoss? I think so. There's like, a Charlie Hoss thing with
3: Jackie Gator? Mm. And Rico? Maybe. Sounds about right. Because Jackie Gator and Charlie Hoss were married at one point, weren't they? They were an on-screen thing, I think. I'm pretty sure that was a real couple. Whether or not, they're, or not they are anymore, is I have no idea. But I'm pretty sure they were uh, a real thing. They
2: were married in 2005 mm-hmm. and divorced in 2020.
3: Oh, love has fallen uh, apart. They have four children. Ah, uh, What does she do? <laughs> Teamed with Stacey <laughs> Keebler. Dream team. Yeah,
2: she managed Rico. Mm-hmm. See, I know what I'm fucking talking about.
3: You love your 2003
2: WWE. Um, announced the engagement of Gator Haas on SmackDown. This led to a catfight between Jackie Gator and Dawn Marie, which led to an intergender tag match at No Mercy, pitting Gator Haas and Rico against
3: Dawn and the Dudley Boys. That's uh, a match of the year right there. Jackie
2: Gator's team won the bout. This, this is the full Jackie
3: Gator career retrospective.
2: Dawn Marie predicted that the relationship would not last very long. From that, they got onwards, Dawn fifteen Marie.
3: years. Dawn Marie, that's pretty good. For that moment
2: on, Don Marie tried her hardest to split up the couple. On the August 7th episode of SmackDown, Gaeta found herself on the receiving end of Billy Kidman's BK Bong. She sold her injuries through the October Tour of of Europe by wearing a neck brace. What a worker.
0: Mm -hmm. Only returning to action
2: on the October October 28th episode of SmackDown in Omaha, Nebraska, where she (laughs) returned in a Halloween costume contest between Dawn Marie and Tori Wilson, spearing Dawn, and you won't believe it, tearing the clothes from her body. Mm -hmm. A vengeful Dawn then screamed to Gator that it was not over. Dawn gained her revenge during an arm wrestling contest (laughs) on the November 4 episode of SmackDown, headbutting Gator and a cat fighting her until Haas made the save. Dawn's ally, Heisenreich, then decimated Haas, dismaying Gator's attempts to protect Haas by shoving her to the mat. On the November 25th episode, <laughs> Gator tried to reg- gain revenge in a, quote-in-quotes, Pilgrim versus Indian match, oh! but both women were disqualified for ignoring the referee's instructions. The two divas fought once again on December 2nd, this time while wearing Christmas outfits... General manager Teddy Long finally announced a final encounter at Armageddon, appointing Haas as the referee. Gator lost the match and her fiancé as the relationship was broken when Haas re- revealed he had had an affair with Dawn Marie. He then rejected Marie afterward, saying he did not want either woman. Well, what a career. What a run. And then she was in a bunch of vignettes with other divas, and then her and Haas got fired in 2005. <laughs> After their year-long story. <laughs> Uh, where would it have been from uh, September to when n- 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 December? So like three months
3: storyline. All of that was in three months. Yeah. Oh uh, well, she's coming to TNA. <laughs> cool. I'm sure she'll do something very exciting. In 2008,
2: House and Gator opened the Custom Muscle Nutrition and Smoothie Shop at a nutritional store in Frisco, Texas.
3: I hope that's still open. Just like their friendship.
2: I just got spoiled on winner of the Knockout of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, of course, uh, famed <laughs> winner of the worst worked match of the year in the Wrestling Observer, but, uh, teaming with Christopher Notwinsky versus Bradshaw and Tris Stratus. mm that company is so bad. So, there you go. Are you happy? Excited?
3: I feel like the early to mid-2000s of that company are almost underrated in how bad they are. Because mm. it has, like, the same amount of attitude or bullshit, but people are a fraction as over, and it's during a period in which nobody wanted that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, Jackie Kate has come to TN.
2: What a, what a... Her class of fired people is wild.
3: Mm. Joy Giovanni. <laughs> yeah, of course. Kenzo Suzuki. TNA legend. Perry Satton matches. Still lives in my dreams. A TNA legend. Charlie Haas. Had one TNA match. He wrestled Josh Alexander in 2022. Yeah, I remember that. Jackie Gator, of course. She is mm. the star of the class. Marty Jannetty. Shockingly never wrestled in TNA. Why
2: did they sign him to a deal? Um, That was when they did the Rockers reunion. I know this because I just watched fucking Darkseid. I know, but like why did they sign him to a deal? Because Shawn Michaels has political pull and he felt guilty.
3: And like he did look pretty good in like the Rockers match and the match mm-hmm. he had on SmackDown with Kurt. Like he he didn't look dreadful, but also, why did you sign him to a deal? Because Shawn has political pull and he felt bad. All right. Dawn Marie. Man, mm. that whole that whole
2: feud got canned after 3 months of TV.
3: Yep. Uh Mark Jindrak. Is he still wrestling? I know he like obviously he did very well in Mexico for years after, but I haven't heard oh, about yeah. Marco Corleone in a while. Maven. Oh my fave. Of... Uh, Maven story for years and years in one of my local toy shops all they ever had was Maven like rows <laughs> and rows of Maven like literally like mm. 30 Maven action figures now you'd kill for a Maven and legitimately I never bought one I was like every time I'd go in there for months all they would have was Maven and then I had a hankering to actually buy Maven and they didn't have Maven anymore and I it was, was actually time.
2: mad Um, they released uh homeowner Jim Cornette Uh, Shannon Moore
3: who we will be seeing imminently
2: Akio that's Jimmy Yang isn't it? yeah it's Akio to me Gangrel oh no Billy Kidman Spike Dudley does show up in DNA Kevin Furtig
3: yeah Mordecai
2: is that? oh I know him as the vampire yeah Kev Thorne, baby.
3: He does come back. That's stupid. Yeah, he does.
2: And then, of course, yeah, uh, Bubba and Devon, you'll be surprised to learn were, we're fired here, too.
3: Uh, they make it very clear in a... In yeah. we did, oh, sorry, I they did not proceed with
2: any renegotiations.
3: Yeah, there's an, an interview that I didn't include where they're like, let's get it clear. We were not fired.
2: Yeah, they do say
3: that here. <laughs> Our contracts expired and we did not like the offer of renewal we got and felt we had done everything we could... Uh,
2: Two Cold Scorpio was hired in 2007? Probably. I've, I'm on the Wayback Machine for the WWE News Archive. <laughs> they fired Two Cold Scorpio in May of 2007. I remember when they randomly brought back D What The fuck? <laughs> Mr. McMahon becomes Dr. McMahon. No. Stone Cold on Stern. No. Super Crazy Injured. Oh, no. In Oberhausen. <laughs> Doing uh, the 16 carat? <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Uh, WWE Ends Relationship with Deep South. This is the show now where I just read a year <laughs> of WWE
3: news archives. Divas Go Shopping! We, we did do at least five minutes on the career of uh, Jackie Gator, which neither of <laughs> us actually remember any of, but... Mick Foley visits MIT. Wow, what did he learn? I think he was a speaker.
2: Elite Educator! Elite Confirmed!
3: Oh, they they were going to jump, but then they signed new deals. They actually planted those stories. Mm. Joey Mercury released.
2: <laughs> yeah, Ashley and Kane star on Smallville. Full circle!
3: There we go. We won't get better than that. The segue away from Liam reading the news of a year we're not covering. TNA's first of what are likely to be many primetime specials on Spike TV was a hot show, but ended up drawing a disappointing 0.9 rating and 978,000 viewers on November isn't that less than what they did before? It is more or less, like, in the range of what they were doing already, which is the reason it's considered disappointing. It's not down. Like, like they did do 1.2 million, but if you, like, took the average of what they've been doing so far on Spike, I think this is pretty much bang in there.
2: It's a good dynamite number.
3: Mm-hmm. The number, identical to the number of the last episode of Ultimate Fighter, when it was moved from its traditional night shows the television viewership is based on Creatures of Habit. Spike averages a 1.0 rating in primetime, so they were a little down from that, but it did do 22% better than what was usually in the time slot. Uh, Spike did also spend some money advertising the show, though. Though, by all accounts, Spike were happier with it than TNA were. TNA were quite disappointed that, like, they did the big primetime special, because they were airing at, at 11 on Saturdays, and they did more or less the same rating in primetime on Thursdays than they did on 11 at saturday uh, at 11 on saturdays but spike apparently were pretty happy because they figured more competition on thursday nights than there is on saturday nights so they thought it might do a little bit worse but it held up pretty well so by all accounts spike were quite pleased
2: Hmm. as long as Uh, spike's happy
3: yeah once the network's happy everyone's happy
2: but Garrett would someone please tell me about the fucking Westminster dog show
3: <laughs> in February the, is when they were probably going to do a special of some sort because Raw's preempted for the by the West, Westminster dog show so there's probably going to be something February 13th uh, that, that TNA would have in order to try and take advantage of Raw not being in its regular time slot on that week yeah it, it, it's like a USA staple and it was actually one of the conditions of them coming back to USA is them no longer getting preempted by the Westminster Dog Show so I actually think that might be the last year that they are boo from 2006 it's one of those things As I think we talked about before is reading Death of WCW every time it's just like Nitro did a monster number because Raw was preempted by the Westminster Dog Show
2: is it still running?
3: it is still running I believe who won the Westminster Dog Show? in 2006 go work that out but as I said uh, it was one of the conditions of going back to USA that they would no longer be preempted by that so (laughs) what are you what are you chuckling at
2: i'm just looking at the fucking names of these stupid dogs what year oh six rufus hey rufus you want to see rufus
3: I want to see Rufus. Yes, I'm
2: gonna po- I'm gonna post a picture of Rufus to the Twitter account with no context.
3: <laughs> I hope there's someone who's like, "That's my favorite Westminster Dog Show winner, right there." <laughs> oh, that'd be
2: crazy. Is there like Stan culture for different <laughs> Westminster Dog Show winners?
3: Yeah, they they know all of them. I hope there is like an actual. They're surely because it's like I, I see it with some kind of relatively relevant institution to the extent that there is people who are are like historians of the Westminster Dog Show.
2: Rufus. There you go. <laughs> Look at his face. Yeah, that's a winner right there.
3: Yeah, he has a little necklace too. What a
2: stylish guy. <laughs> Who won? Oh, James sucks. I'm a Rufus guy. Who knows? All right, Stamps cool. Sadie's Sadie. That's an industry plant dog if I've ever seen one. <laughs> that's like the Jack Perry of of
3: Westminster dog winners. She means another dog's gonna beat the shit out of it in any minute.
2: Yeah, Rufus.
3: Rufus is going to take it down. Because it was
2: best in 2006.
3: <laughs> Rufus is sick and tired of working with these kids.
2: Look at this fucking look at this fucking Hollywood <laughs> planted winner.
3: Oh, yeah. Look at that cunt. Yeah, fuck you, Sadie.
2: Whoa! <laughs> M- <laughs> Malachi, this guy's called.
3: Is it not just Malachi?
2: No, it's Malachi. Uh-huh. He kind of rules... Like well, that's a contender against Rufus right now.
3: You've really turned on Rufus.
2: What is going on with this dude? Yeah! He looks
3: like a Star Wars thing. Mm-hmm. Banana Joe retired after winning in 2013. He looks like a deeply cynical thing that would be put in Star Wars just to sell toys.
2: There's a lot of dogs in here. Like, alright. Tw- it is a up dog to 2014. show. 2014... There's, like, a bunch of weirdo dogs. Then we're just getting to boring old dogs. Like, these are just regular-ass dogs. Oh, fuck off, Flynn.
3: They they stopped stunt-casting the dogs.
2: Look at this guy. This guy is try-hard. This is, like, the Eurovision entrant that, like, doesn't feel like it has any actual artistic merit, And but, like, they try to be weird just for being weird.
3: Mm. This is Flynn. Oh, that's like a Swedish dog.
2: King! <laughs> Look at King! This, he's anything? won it 15 times!
3: Oh, that's a, that's the, like the, the Triple H the of Rick the Westminster Talk Show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Triple H. He has the Triple H mustache.
3: Oh, he does. Especially like the 2005 era with the stupid handlebar shit he's trying to do at that stage.
2: Wasabi!
3: <laughs> Wasabi's sick. Right, I'm at
2: 2021 now. I might as well just commit until we get to all of them. <laughs>
3: Uh, must be noted, King did not win it 15 times, but he is a wire fox terrier, and that breed of dog has won 15 Ah,
2: oh, boo! I got too
3: excited. Trumpet's cool. I like Wasabi. Look at this guy. Look at his weird head. Why do they always do- have beards? <laughs>
2: Should we do a live reaction to the 2023 Westminster Dog
3: Show? <laughs> yeah, when is it?
2: <laughs> I don't know. Look at the date on the news article. It probably it's says right there.
3: February 13th was the 2006 one, so I assume they're sticking to February. That was last
2: year's winner, Trumpet.
3: Ah, uh, Trumpet's a good boy. Look how bo- Look how bougie it is now. Trumpet looks like a like a classically good dog, you know? Yeah. No gimmicks, not going for a beard.
2: It's the second longest continuously held sporting event in the US. What's the first? The World Series? Monday Night Raw. <laughs> I gotta see if it's already happened this year or not. Twenty twenty three dog show winner. Alright, there isn't there was a winner this year. Buddy Holly won.
3: Um I don't think he's a dog but
2: <laughs> yeah, rude. I have a video of Buddy Holly.
3: All right, it's apparently May next year, so we're gonna to have
2: to wait. Oh, Buddy Holly's a good boy. I thought it was. I was hoping for some weird freak.
3: Everyone's got to remind us next year. <laughs> next year,
2: ten dollar tier Westminster <laughs> dog show live reaction <laughs> YouTube streaming event. <laughs> Are you tweeting this? No, Buddy Holly won this year. That's Buddy Holly. Good, good guy.
3: Mm. Oh, again. That's, like, again, more just, like, classic good dog.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's gone from weird freak to just classic good dog.
3: Because you see some of these dogs, but, like, King's a bit of a weird freak. So is Wasabi. Whereas, like, the Trumpet and Buddy Holly are, like, classic good dogs. Yeah, I like Rufus, though. There's a surprising amount of facial hair going on with these dogs.
2: (laughs) That's the thing. There are not enough weird freaks. All the weird freaks have facial hair. Mm. Uh, I like King.
3: You want to bow down to the King?
4: Bow down to life.
3: It's a Steve song with his Triple H mustache.
2: He should have come out to that when he won the 15th title.
3: And his nepotism. Because he's the same breed he, he, as all he's of a, one.
2: Oh, unfortunately, he is literally a Nepo baby. Yeah. He's the Jack Perry. <laughs>
3: But yes, when, when, the, when the Westminster Dog Show preempts Raw in 2006 is when they're eyeing up another primetime special of some sort. Uh, the October 22nd Impact uh, did a 1.5 rating among males 18-34, to 34, which is the highest on cable that day, aside from ESPN's college football game. So TNA drawn Definitely in men. would have to
2: like, release the Wembley footage to get that kind <laughs> of rating. And even then... <laughs> you get a 0. 0.9.
3: TNA's video game deal, which was dependent on getting the national outlet, will be Midway Games. Midway officially announced the video game with TNA. The product is scheduled to ship in 2007. Uh, Midway is not doing very well financially, as they appear to have lost about $20 million in the last year. That will be a, a thing to talk about in the future. Midway, of course, most famously known for making Mortal Kombat.
2: I was gonna say they were Mortal Kombat right and now Nether Netherrealm is Mortal yes. Kombat
3: so uh, Warner Brothers snapped up a bunch of the Midway assets not including TNA when Midway went out of business and they snapped Bullshit. up Warner Brothers with it
2: when we get in the second TNA game
3: like, they did commission it. Like, they, they, it wasn't the case that, like, they weren't going to make a second game, but then they went broke before they could, and we got a shitty DS game and a shitty PSP game.
2: <sighs> right after we finish the Westminster Dog Show, will be our playthrough of the TNA Impact video game.
3: Uh, the full story with suicide and being jumped and thrown to Mexico and whatnot. Yeah. like That game is, is again, a classic shame. It's a classic good foundation, good base. The second game would have been much better, and they just never got the second game. Which may also be the case for the AEW game, but I don't think a person on Earth plays it anymore, so... Mm. It's got like 40 people. Even the stadium stampede mode just came and went.
2: Yeah. It's weird because like it's not bad. Mm. I guess people are just like, if it's not a WWE 2K game, people aren't into it.
3: I just don't think it was deep enough. Mm. Like even if you're enjoying it, it's like there's there's not enough game here.
2: Hey, what are you going to do? Just play matches, I guess.
3: Yeah. And even then, I think there's some holes in the gameplay that they need to, to, to patch over. They need to buy TW. And <laughs> yeah, just do a sim game. Yeah as opposed to that weird sim game they put out on a mobile.
2: proper sim game yeah
3: mm. Uh, Nigel McGuinness will likely debut on the Genesis show, either in the pre-show or possibly in the prelim. He wrestled Sharkboy in the pre-show. And also, Dave, not a debut, because he was on the uh, Gauntlet for the X-Division belt that PD won the belt from. So, Dave, do your research. Uh, There was apparently rumors going around that they were thinking of doing a Ring of Honor versus TNA feud, but that was going nowhere. That wasn't real. Uh, Some notes from Bound for Glory. Samoa Joe versus Jushin Liger was originally slated to go 20 minutes, even when they changed the show around and added the Gauntlet Battle Royal they were still supposed to do a longer match it's not exactly clear why it happened but they were in there working the beginning of a long match at about five minutes in the ref told them to go home so they just went home i wonder why do we ever
2: have we ever found out
3: i wonder is it the kind of thing it's like we don't want to tell joe to his face that we're cutting his time so we'll send him out there and then cut his time (laughs) Uh, Liger expressed interest in returning and they have an idea for a potential TV special in 2006 that he'd be a major part of it's not a TV special but he comes back for the World X Cup Uh, there was consideration given to cancelling the Diamonds in the Rough match on pay-per-view when they added the gauntlet they went back and forth but decided (laughs) these guys were company guys and deserved the spot in the biggest show of the year Uh, no cut it (laughs) also the gauntlet even ended up going two minutes long so Uh, Jarrett and Styles will be both appearing on Spike's Video Game Awards on the the 12th oh my god
2: alright time to find the Spike Video Game Awards for 2005.
3: On the 10th of December, Rock is also on the show. That was the original version of the Keelys. Wow, the OG
2: Keelys. Spike Video Game Awards 2005. Garrett. All right, we got 75 categories. Fucking strap in. Best cast.
3: Was Keely was host at this stage, wasn't he? uh the VGAs were hosted by Samuel L. Jackson. Poor Keeley, didn't even get in. I, just no. Keely. I, I always thought Keely was always host of that, but...
2: Maybe he was just behind the scenes.
3: Because I know the thing was, like, he did it with Spike and for years, and then was eventually like, what if I just did it myself, and then he did it himself, and it was a much larger success than it was ever on Spike. Mm. There's a lot of...
2: Oh, Midway Games was represented here, showing off nowhere to run.
3: That's probably why they, they timed the announcement, so that they would have some stuff going into the VGAs.
2: Musical performances by 50 Cent, Def Leppard, and Missy Elliott.
3: That was the year, I believe, 50 Cent Blood in the Sand came out, so that makes oh sense. God.
2: And show appearances by Charlize Theron, Kiefer Sutherland, Jack Black, The Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Rock, Vin Diesel, Carson Daly, Donald Fison, Jamie Presley, Josie Marin, Snoop Dogg, Exhibit, Carmen Electron, Natasha Bedingfield, Dane Cook, and
3: others. <laughs> Ooh, others. <laughs> like AJ
2: Styles and Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> All right, Garrett. Best cast, of course, went to Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie.
3: I've never played that game, and I think I still have it around I think anymore. I have played that game.
2: Uh, best wireless game. What does that mean? Uh, I guess handheld? Which went to Mark Echo's Getting Up, Contents Under Pressure. Is it Maybe it's a weird way of saying mobile game? Maybe. What, what do you think? Best PC game, Garrett. Give me a guess
3: for 2005
2: would you like the? would you like the the noms <laughs> of course yeah battlefield 2 call of duty 2 world of warcraft fear and Meier's civilization 4
3: uh civ 4
2: uh world of warcraft boo this is your favorite category Arad. best rpg
3: uh, Final Fantasy XII. That's not an option. Damn.
2: <laughs> yeah, Jade Empire, X Men Legends 2, Rise of the Apocalypse, Dungeon Siege 2, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, and World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. It was World of Warcraft! Garrett, best breakthrough technology! Mm hmm. What do you... What was it? Just guess.
3: Um... The Xbox 360. That was
2: a... That was a nom, Garrett, but it did not win. Whoa. The PSP one. Really? Other, um, noms were the facial motion capture in NBA Live 06, speech recognition in Dogs, and the Unreal Engine 3.
3: Heavy hitters, a lot of them.
2: Best multiplayer game went to Guild Wars. Hmm. Best handheld game, Garrett. You're a handheld nerd. Uh,
3: Mario and Luigi the Superstar Saga. Luminez... Oh, yeah, Luminous is a good game. I've lost my plate. There we go, we're back. Uh, best graphics. Um, God of War.
2: Not a contender. It was Resident Evil 4.
3: Ah, uh, Yeah, that's fair.
2: Best military game, Call of Duty 2. <laughs> that's a, what a weird category. Best military game. I guess because I don't want to say first person shooter. Why not? Anyway, best first person action. Fear. Best, oh my God. Best fighting game. With contenders like Soul Calibur 3, Tekken Five, Darkstalkers Chronicle, Mortal Kombat Trial monks,
3: Fight Night Round Two. Those fight, those boxing games were good.
2: Sure, <laughs> Tekken Five and Soul Calibur 3 are there.
3: No, those boxing games were
2: real good. Best addict, most addictive game. Mm. We love Katamari, Lumines, Nintendogs, Meteos, or World of Warcraft.
3: I feel like it has to be World of Warcraft.
2: Yeah, of course it's World of Warcraft. Best driving game: Burnout Revenge. Mm. Designer of the year went to David Jaffe of God of War. Uh, best original score: We Love Katamari. Best soundtrack went to Guitar Hero.
0: That, that's
2: fucking bullshit. <laughs> you gave best soundtrack to Guitar Hero. I mean, on a technically. Uh, Other contenders, GTA, Liberty City Stories, 50 Cent Bulletproof, Tony Hawk's American Wasteland, and SSX on tour.
3: So they literally mean literally licensed, because all of those are licensed soundtracks.
2: Yeah. It's not best OST. Um, Best Original Song went to Maybe We Crazy by 50 Cent. (laughs) It's
3: a big year for 50 Cent.
2: Best Supporting Female Performance went to Tracy Lords as Madame Cassandra Hartz in True Crime, New York City. Mm. Rosario Dawson was also uh, nominated for that um,
3: Best performance by a human female <laughs> hey, Please read that category again Best performance by a human female As opposed to what? Best,
2: Well, best supporting female performance doesn't specify human
3: That's true, it could be a dog mm-hmm. It's one of the Westminster Dog Show dogs actually Who <laughs> did the, 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 the actual performance in motion capture For exactly. 50 Cent Blood in the Sand Excuse me,
2: it was Bulletproof.
3: Was it Was a Bulletproof? Damn it. Best
2: uh, winner of Best Performance by a Human Female, Charlie's Throne as F- Aeon Flux in Aeon Flux?
3: You've never heard of Aeon Flux? What's Aeon Flux? It's a game that I've never played, but it was in, like, reduced sections for years <laughs> when I was a kid. What,
2: is it a game or a movie? It's a game. Did she win
3: for the movie? I assume it's a, it's a licensed game based on a movie.
2: I think she won for the
3: movie. <laughs> Which is the reason it's human female, I guess. Maybe <laughs> you know the Keeleys have always loved weirdly flirting with other media.
2: Oh yeah, it's the because uh, much like wrestling, everyone in video games is like very embarrassed to be in video games. Best supporting male performance. Oh my, this is pathetic, by the way. Mm. Best supporting male performance is Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> As Gabriel winning in True Crime, New York City, other, other people nominated for Best Performance at a fucking video game awards, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Michael Clark Duncan, and P. Diddy. Go fuck yourself, Keely. <laughs> best Performance by a Human Male. Who do you think fucking won? Who do you think won? It was Jack Black. Okay? Other, other noms, 50 Cent, Michael Chiklis, and Sean Connery. <laughs>
3: The prospective voice actor in you is coming out.
2: (laughs) T.C. Carson was the one nominated guy for Kratos. (sighs) Like, fuck off. (laughs) 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 Fuck off. Best game based on a movie. Chronicles of Riddick. It was Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie. Damn. Cyber Vixen of the Year.
3: (laughs) Uh, Liam, please explain to me what a cyber vixen is. Character you want to fuck? Is it like an e girl? Yeah. Are we talking VTubers? That, that, there's a, a real weird world where VTubers are called cyber vixens. <laughs> vixens.
2: And your nominees Charlie's Theron in Aeon Flux, Jessica Alba as the Invisible Woman in Fantastic Four, Tracy Lords as Cassandra Hayes, and Lawrence Bouvard as Joanna Dark in Perfect Dark Zero. There's a Perfect Dark Zero nom! Hell yeah. Uh, Maria Menounos won as Ava in James Bond 007 from Russia with love.
3: That also ties us in. She is a pro wrestling star. She's worked. Exactly. Best team sports game. FIFA. Madden. Oh, American football. Fuck off. FIFA was not nominated. Bias.
2: Best individual sports game. Hmm tony hawk's american wasteland
3: tony hawk had lost his luster at this stage get off that bandwagon
2: action game of the year Garrett. we're in the top two categories now so i'm gonna make you guess these are your eligible contenders resident evil 4 yes peter jackson's king kong the official game of the movie resident evil the warriors god of war 50 cent bulletproof
3: uh, i'm gonna stick with resident evil that's gonna be god of war isn't and, it and the award for action game of the year
2: Goes to God of War.
3: Mm-hmm. What was the category? I said God of War in earlier that it absolutely should have been in. Um, oh, best graphics. It feels like it should have best been in best graphics, graphics.
2: I think you said, yeah. And now for the most prestigious award of the evening, Cyber Vixen of the Year, <laughs> <laughs> Game of the Year. Your your nominees: Call of Duty 2, Fear, Resident Evil 4, God of War, World of Warcraft.
3: I'm gonna go with World of Warcraft.
2: You'll win a Resident Evil 4.
3: What the fuck is that? It didn't win best action game, but did yeah, win game like of the year? Yeah, it's like with
2: the Keeleys now, they'll give them like all the other awards, and then game of the year will go to like the one they actually want to give it to.
3: That makes no sense, though. Both of them are just action games.
2: Yeah, but God of War is a better action game, but Resident Evil 4 is a better game. What else does it have? Bad cutscenes?
3: The only uh, Resident Evil I've actually played is two.
2: But still. Well... That was the 2005 Spike TV Game Awards.
3: Jarrett and AJ are there. I think there's actually some footage on upcoming impacts of them at the original, that at, at the, at the, the original. Actually not what the original they presented. Kills, yeah, they were like, here's Cyber Vixen of the Year. Yeah, <laughs> Cyber Vixen of the Year. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett hits Cyber Vixen of the Year with a guitar.
2: And AJ's just like, This ain't on the PlayStation.
3: <laughs> we should add Cyber Vixen of the Year to our end of year awards.
2: Oh yeah, let's add Cyber Vixen of the Year.
3: The TNA Cyber Vixens. Never mind the knockouts.
2: Yeah. Oh, that'd be sick actually. Yeah, we're <laughs> adding Cyber Vixen of the Year to their year end awards. I don't know what it's going to mean. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we don't have a knockout of the year yet, because we haven't had knockouts, so now it's the cyber vixen of the year.
3: Mm. One of the reasons Spike is strongly behind TNA is because Morphoplex is spending 200000 per month to sponsor the shows. Spike gets that what? money, which is why TNA isn't buying time, because if it was, then TNA would be keeping the sponsorship money. So Morphoplex playing a, a pretty hefty sponsorship fee to sponsor the early days of TNA Impact here. Um, some sad news. The day of Genesis was the day that Eddie Guerrero passed away which is one of those mm-hmm. weird things where it's a bunch of people going out there to wrestle. Like Dave was super down on Genesis if you actually read his review of the show and I think he was kind of projecting a little bit where he was like the crowd didn't seem to be able to get into the matches because like the specter of Eddie's death kind of hung over everybody and I'm like I hope the crowd was pretty good that night. I think that's just kind of you. Yeah. Which I-, I thoroughly get if you're like I'm not really in the mood to watch wrestling tonight.
2: And also like somebody who had a, like a connection with the guy too
3: mm. conan who knew guerrero the best and longest of anybody in tna was told by dixie carter that he could go home and didn't have the rest have to wrestle he responded something to the effect of yes i do have to uh, and conan did do a promo on the show acknowledging eddie before the 3 K match and there was also a card at the start of the show dedicating the show to eddie guerrero y- yep yeah yeah
2: i mean like it didn't just happen, so it didn't. Like, like, I'm um, Garrett. I, I have known about this for a while.
3: Oh, I do remember that because, my, like, my brother was a, a big Eddie fan, and I just, just remember it wasn't it, like it, it. The the extent to which it came out of nowhere. It's that, and obviously the Benoit one, and then the, the the way the Benoit one played out, and like the the range of emotions you would have felt in that first day of the Benoit one. Um, but. Yeah those those two deaths particularly over the course of what two years or so uh year and a half were See
2: I, I it was always really weird for me because I like was, I didn't get into wrestling till both of them had died Mm. so like i'm wasn't i wasn't i ne- like to me they, they've never been on tv
3: live yeah i i guess it's like the, the the more recent comparisons would obviously be very recently bray wyatt and and uh brodie lee that kind of like just sudden shock jay and jay briscoe of course uh that those kind of just sudden shocks of people that are beloved are suddenly just gone mm. and obviously ben was <laughs> yeah well that was but,
2: uh, that, that's the most unique of circumstances
3: <laughs> but yeah with Eddie and like like listen Eddie was not. Sadly, uncommon. Like that was during an era where a lot more wrestlers died in their thirties and forties, particularly in like the the twenty years before that. You would see a lot more wrestlers die around the age that Eddie Guerrero was, and thankfully that that's not as much a thing anymore.
2: It's which is like why it's like so shocking now.
3: Yeah, it's the reason the stuff like Bray hits that extra bit hard. It's just because it's just not commonplace. Thankfully, for wrestlers to die that young anymore, and when it does Mm. happen, it just hits like a ton of bricks. It knocks you on your ass. Mm. Uh, yeah, but the, the, the thing of just going out and wrestling that night must must feel a little weird. Like, even for people who don't know Eddie, like, Eddie is one of the more influential wrestlers ever. I, I, obviously, I think he almost became more influential after his death than he was while he was alive. Like, like the legacy of Eddie has obviously lived on substantially past his death. And uh, you, you can't listen to an, an interview with an NXT wrestler anymore without them literally citing Eddie every time as one of their biggest influences. But, uh, yeah, it must have been just weird to go out there and just put on a wrestling but then like wrestlers are wrestlers like like Conan's attitude it's like I I absolutely have to go out there and wrestle because that's what we do and I think that is generally the attitude of wrestlers Hmm. Chris Jericho did an interview on Between the Ropes radio saying he's talking about writing a book about a specific part of his career he's taking acting classes doing auditions and is up for a potential major role in his current absence from WWE he said the TNA thing where he posted a TNA graphic on his website was just done to shake up the internet and have fun he said he did email Vince McMahon before he did it but but he ended up getting phone calls from Jeff Jarrett, Scott DeMore and John Laurinaitis about what the hell was going on. He never heard back from Vince but Laurinaitis did write him back saying great rib. He was glad Christian left for TNA. On going to TNA he said never say never but that McMahon was the best boss he ever worked for and he felt he was loyal to him mm. but not to anyone else in WWE. Mm. He also says, he also said he doesn't necessarily think he owes Vince anything but he would give him a courtesy call if he was ever thinking about going somewhere else. But he said he loves watching TNA that Samojo was his favorite wrestler to watch aj styles is awesome in the ring and he would advise both not to go to wv and stay in tna and help grow the company to be honest with you says jericho a dirty little secret and vince will be angry to hear this i actually watch tna a little bit more than WWE now you should go jericho he, honestly with his pal christian there i'm sure he's buddies with the boar based on canadians <laughs> so canadians not? are friends it's the rule like Devore knows Callis. Callis is of Jericho. You know Jericho, what? It would have been friends. a
2: great, a great bit mm. if Jericho did go and they redid the Christian segment. Except he did join Team Canada. <laughs>
3: he like him as like the front man of Team Canada would have been great. I wonder. Do you think that would have been like gangbuster for TNA? I don't know. Like Jericho was is a Christian tier guy in two thousand five. Mm. Like he obviously he reached the top of He did have a title run, but I feel like he was always like he's a little above Christian, but he's nowhere near like an actual headline guy. Like like Jericho is a weird case in that he elevated himself into that position almost by attrition, like almost by just hanging around long enough so that everybody who was ahead of him wasn't wrestling anymore, and all of a sudden he was like the big star of that generation. And the only one left and the only one still wrestling. So he became kind of, by default, a bigger star than he actually was in his prime. Because, like, most of his WWE run, there was, like, five plus guys in front of him in terms of, like, featured acts.
2: Mm. I mean, like, it's still Jericho. It would have been, like, another giant star.
3: Yeah, if you are to say, like, him or Foley at this stage, I think Foley's a bigger deal than Jericho. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Borsch and Scott Damore went with Bret Hart on November 6th in New York. They talked about uh, coming in for TV, and Hart has mentioned many times about being interested, but the general feeling is nothing is happening anytime soon, and Hart is going to Italy for an extended stay in December, so there's no dates at the moment. He's also, at this point, very unlikely for the WWE Hall of Fame this year or anything other than Europe. I have no idea what Dave is saying in that sentence. Ah, well, uh,
2: but yeah. (laughs) So it's a regular... Regular Dave sentence. Uh,
3: all right, let's try and break it. He's also, at this point, very unlikely for the WWE Hall of Fame this year or Comma. anything other than Europe. So he's saying that he's the only thing he is likely to do is Europe, but he has phrased it, yeah. I think, in the most awkward way possible. Yeah. Um, but that's the news. Bret Hart should leave B- Team Canada. Uh, it's a relatively short news section that we have taken the world's longest asides in. Yeah.
2: You know, we got to make up for it that it was only like
3: three pages. That brings us to Broad Topics, starting with the NWA World Title Man. I'm, so- I'm sorry, it's really hard to fake it like that. <laughs> yeah,
2: as if there hasn't been three days in between these two parts. Slip seamlessly in. <laughs> Just just be like, and yes, we just completed the news portion. (laughs) It's time to do the running down of the show. Yeah,
3: we we are seamless professionals. No one will ever know any wiser.
2: Except right now. Don't know
3: that does bring us to broad topics we are starting with the NWA world title program which there is technically none the main event of the baby was a six man tag but they do do a title match on TV so October 29th Impact Jeff Jarrett comes out and he's like I will take my rematch next week on the primetime special the crowd chant where is your title and then they do like a really hard cut to a primetime special spot like right after a word he said so part of me is like mm. what did they cut what did he say that they needed what, to- what, what did he, what did he flub what did he What did Double J say? Did he go, was like, I didn't lose the title, I'd never lose titles. I'd never lose a title, (laughs) not even once. Uh, But yes, so he will get his title match, his rematch against Rhino on the primetime special. Main event of that episode, America's Most Wanted faced BG James and Ron killing. Nothing
2: gets you more fired up than a... America's Most Wanted 3LK main event.
3: Well, at least America's Most Wanted main event. Like when you were saying that sentence, like nothing gets you more fired up than an America's Most Wanted. I was like, yeah, but then yeah, you did get to the 3LK part, which did bring me down a little bit.
2: Mm. This is two bigger shades of like the last two years. <laughs> I thought we we have more teams now.
3: Do we? I think that's still the the part of the cover. The X Division is absolutely fucking loaded. There's so many people in the X Division right now. And the world title scene, you know, you got Christian and Rhino added. You still had uh, Jarrett and (laughs) Raven.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Those people are still there. Monty Brown is perpetually on the outside. Yeah, you get
3: Abyss and Hardy as well, I guess. But like the tag team is still like The Naturals, AMW... You got Team 3D. Yeah, you do get Team 3D. That is, like, the addition that at least makes it fresh for a little bit. So, uh, the highlight of this match was Ron Killings wearing Storm's hat and then doing a little dance. Of course. Mm. Uh, Killings did a big dive, and then BG just kind of looked over. He didn't do the, like, tease doing a dive, I'm not going to do it. He just kind of looked over the ropes and was like, carry on. (laughs)
2: Because, you know, the first one would require charisma.
3: (laughs) uh today announces it was actually I think announced online but this is the first mention that the main event of Genesis will be Team 3D and Rhino versus America's Most Wanted and Jared and a six man tag
2: that'll sell pay-per-views
3: you don't want to see a big six man how do you feel about a big six man main eventing a pay-per-view
2: if it's like a good wrestlers mm-hmm. <laughs> like if it's like a, a, an all-star six man you can get away with it I suppose but
3: I don't know you, know, you have to have a real strong undercard it's like this six man is very much uh these people will be in the tag title match in the world title month match the month after so we are doing this as a little half step so we can kind of cheat, cheat a month to get to that so it it isn't really like the, the kind of as you said the kind of six man where you're like whoa this is a six of the best in there
2: i think it it has to be like this is gonna be some like blow you away work rate thing
3: mm-hmm. like the all-in six-man main event where you're like oh this is gonna be nuts or look at these like legendary wrestlers interacting for the first time
2: yeah some it needs to have some sort of bite to it which this does not
3: and even like what the match ended up being which was was like a, a big like superheated plunder brawl around the building like they didn't even like promote it as that really
2: yeah they could have like promoted it as like no dq or something or a street fight or whatever like something to give it a little like Gravitas.
3: yeah or like because like, like anarchy in the arena was like my reference point to when thinking about because that's kind of what it was or at least a smaller version of it where like literally the whole match was crowd brawling for the most part uh but in a rare instance pretty good crowd brawling as opposed to Jarrett crowd brawling which is usually terrible but it's mm. so like it like I come up with a brand for that sanity
2: in the sound stage
3: yeah, sanity in the sound stage there you go
2: oh insanity in the sound stage I guess <laughs> sanity in the sound stage isn't as it <laughs> doesn't exactly inspire a lot of chaos. I'm just like, all right, regular six-man <laughs> yeah, tag that, that's exactly, the rules. That's, that's or... actually
3: the new name for a six-man tag. It's sanity in the stage, And then insanity in the stage when they do the brawl. Yeah, it's like a fight. Every Ring of Honor match is a fight with honor because they adhere to the Code of Honor. And then you have fights without honor every so often. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like like they could have done something to juice it up in terms of how they promoted it because like they, they were just like the referee is like fuck it go on because they never actually made it like a no DQ match I don't think at any stage it's just they just worked it like that.
5: In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now
3: BG went for a pump handle slam but Gale distracted him. Conan chases off Gale. DeMore looks to use the hockey stick but Kip grabs it and gives it to BG. BG goes to use it but then Harris grabs it allowing that brief distraction the opening for Storm to hit a super kick for the win. Kip and Conan argue.
2: Wow. What fresh take in this story where Kip and Conan
3: argue. Well, a note from Conan Conan got some heat for doing a radio show where he complained about creative and said his own angle was stale. I mean, he's not wrong. They've been doing this, we're currently in November. This has started when Kip debuted, which was what, February? It was the Nash match, right? A
2: million years ago, I think, roughly. I'm
3: pretty sure it was the Nash match where he ran out for the first time. So we've been doing this since February. And we will still be doing this for another while longer. Ugh. But we're, we're not on 3LK Family Drama yet. That's that's how we close our shows. We're not allowed to talk about it this early. We're actually breaking the law.
2: That's illegal. Mm.
3: Uh, so the main event quote-unquote of this episode was Team 3D arriving after they returned to Ban for Glory, after they were taken out by AMW and left in a bloody mess, and after the, the Team 3D funeral and all that. So they come out to address their enemies. Uh, Bully asks for the crowd to give AMW a round of applause because they've done something that no other team has done. They took out Team 3D, but they made a deadly mistake they didn't finish the job deadly mistake see what he did there he's gonna kill them with a deadly dudley dingus destroy mm-hmm. that's what 3d stands for the, the 4d <laughs> <laughs> they're calling for every single person in that funeral home so starting next week they'll face the canadians
2: even the people like even the cameraman <laughs> yeah good. The people employed you're gonna wrestle Gale. <laughs> Damn. well that, i believe that for bully
3: I noticed they called out the Canadians and then they're going after Jarrett and AMW. Not a word about Abyss. They're scared. They are. Or James
2: Mitchell. <laughs> they
3: don't want to deal with the devil. They
2: should have done James Mitchell on Abyss versus Team 3D.
3: Uh, but yeah, they're like, we want Canadians next week on the primetime special. Damore comes out with his boys. Rude grabs the mic and says, we don't have to wait until the primetime special. 5-on-1 attack uh, or 5-on-2 attack, I guess. 3 LK make the save. It's 3D. Hit the 3D on A1. They go to get Damore, but Jarrett and AMW come out. And then Rhino on his new NWA world champion first episode, Rhino, just does a brief brawl for 15 seconds at the very end of the episode.
2: Because he's not really champion.
3: They could at least give him a little promo. Let him be like, Aha, I beat you, Jared. Gore, gore, gore. Which I believe would have been the full extent of the promo. He comes out right at the end of the episode to to do a little brawl, and before he then loses the belt the next week... (laughs) Ugh, poor rhino. So yes, November 3rd, 2005, the prime time special. Jarrett is with Franchise. He believes if he loses, he'll be fired again. He's still doing that conspiratorial stuff. Uh, tonight, he's going to make world history, like the moon landing, gravity, the phone, the light bulb. This moment will live <laughs> alongside all of those things. I like I, I like the world history of gravity. <laughs> yeah, one of the most important world history events, the discovery of gravity. Not the discovery. It's just gravity existing. Yeah. Which has existed, I believe, for all of world history, but I guess I don't know. Was there ever a period where we didn't have gravity? I'll Google it. You keep going. Yeah, scientists, let me know. Monty walks up It's like, what's up, Aristotle? Because he's talking about all these world history events. Monty rules. Jared is like, what are you, a stalker? To which Monty replies, stalking you, always. I've Googled did we ever not
2: have gravity? Uh-huh. And I choose to believe that the jury's still out.
3: There's a lot of people who choose to believe a lot of things about science, I guess, so go for it. Yeah, that's going to be my new thing. Gravity's fake. I wonder how you could even try and sell the idea that gravity is fake. It's actually a government thing. They have machines that hold you on Earth, and if they turn them off, we'd have no gravity. In the center of the Earth, it's actually just a big machine that's going whoa. <laughs> <on. laughs> They're stopping you from flying. If it wasn't for this mm-hmm. government overlords intervening in your life, you would be able to fly. But no, they suck yeah. you. Literally suck you back And that's why all birds are work. drones. <laughs> Monitoring the gravity machines? Yeah, they're the
2: only things that are allowed to fly. No, nothing else has ever flown. Mm. What about planes? Not
3: real. Ah, oh. There's large birds. Never one has
2: ever said they've been on a plane as an actor.
3: When was the last time you were on a plane? A while ago,
2: but I mean, uh, all the time. <laughs>
3: that's the thing I find like because it's like you have less reason to fly places because you're all down the, you're all the way down there so flying anywhere cool is really far away <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to like Europeans who are like there's a load of countries right around us so we're always on planes
2: Europeans who are like I'm gonna go to the shops
3: hops on planes off the Belgium we go <laughs> yeah uh, I do like like it's like what, are you stalking me and Monty's like yes I, I really am that's my whole thing I- I'm hunting you so Monty wants a title match and Monty wants Jeff to win so Monty can take the belt from him. Which does bring us to the main event of that episode. There's a feature on Jarrett in the episode of Planet of Team 3D and Planet Jarrett recap. But the main event for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, Jeff Jarrett defeated Rhino to become champion again for the 5th time? 50th time. And not the last one. (laughs) We do only have one more after this. Every time he wins it, I just go, come on, this could be the last one, though. You you do have that little bit of hope that surely, surely this is the last one, but it is the second last one.
2: We're almost there
3: uh so they had uh they had moving graphics for the tail of the tape where rhino was like doing a gore pose and jeff jarrett was doing his laugh and they also had cool like nwa title screen transitions where like the title did the screen wipe oh that was nice very
2: cool just like a 2k 23 <laughs> creator belt do they do that in that yeah Let's
3: see that's cool they should bring
2: that to tv then they do a the little swipes you can give them custom swipes Hmm. Fancy.
3: Uh, shockingly, they did a lot of crowd brawling. Rhino went for the Rhino driver, but Gale's distraction allowed Jarrett to push him off the top. Rhino tried to turn around her figure four. Gale went for a leg drop, but missed. Rhino was going to press slam Gale through a table, which naturally, because this is 2005, or really any hit period in wrestling history, that made him a giant baby face. <laughs> but the ref stopped him. Respectful referee here. Stop hurting women. Boo. Rudy Charles, the most respectful man in the industry. Rudy Charles is actually sexist. Yeah, he wouldn't stop anybody else from going through a table. Mm-hmm. So, especially because he's not in the match. It's not, like, if he was trying to put Jarrett through a table, it would be illegal. Mm-hmm. Just because Gail's a woman, she can't get thrown through a table. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> rhino bumped rudy with a clothesline uh rhino hit the gore but there was no ref amw run out death sentence rhino uh threw a table off the top uh t- on the floor like like they were on the floor D- leg dropped from the top to a table on the floor uh which probably isn't good for your tailbone
2: <laughs> no well that move is not good for anyone's tailbone ever. <laughs> yeah
3: poor chris harris uh jared hits the stroke and jared is once again nwa world champion yay Uh, earlier in the show they did air a promo I don't think it was in the version of the show we watched uh, for Genesis that did build Jarrett as NW World Champions (laughs) so
2: it it was an it was an old promo
3: I actually do think it was I think it was a promo that was produced pre-Bound for Glory pre-before they realised they were going to put
2: the title on her yeah
3: so it was like produced before Bound for Glory when Jarrett was champion but aired before Jarrett became champion again so it was a mistake for the right reasons but still a dumb mistake (laughs) t 3D didn't help because they were handcuffed to a rail and bloodied backstage with the inference that AMW stopped them. Um so then uh, November 12th Impact or we had a parade of cha- challenger stuff at the start which we'll talk about when we're talking about Monty and uh, Hardy I guess and main event of that episode was America's Most Wanted and Jeff Jarrett against Chris Sabin, Lance Hoyt and Jeff Hardy which I thought was a real nice little TV main event particularly the I thought Chris Sabin looked very good here uh, Jeff does a crazy dive where he just steps up off of Hoyt <laughs> and briefly steps on the ropes and then dives onto AMW and it, it looked like the kind of dive where he could have tripped on the ropes and somehow didn't and just looked kind of cool instead.
2: <laughs> the, the, like, the, it's that controlled chaos element, you know, where you're like, oh, this could go wrong in a million ways, but nope, it, it kind of works. Mm. I love that this is this feels like very, uh, a year or two ago, where it's like, oh, Chris is just randomly in a TV-made event with all the heavyweights out of nowhere.
3: Yeah, if I were to guess... I think it was meant to be Sabu, because this is the same trio that faced Diamonds in the Rough on the primetime special, but mm. Sabu broke his toe in that match. So I assume it was meant to be just, oh, they'll also wrestle AMW and Jared in the TV main event next week. Uh, Sabu is out, so yeah, so, like, just fuck Chris Sabin in there.
2: Yeah, like, that that just feels like so.
3: Asylum. Mm and like they did, like give Saban a bunch. He ran wild on AMW. He hit a big tornado DDT for like a real close near fall. Like Jarrett gave him a two point nine nine on it, uh, probably because he was getting pinned. But so Kale crotches Saban up top, <laughs> and Jarrett does hit a middle rope stroke to beat Chris Saban. Ooh, <laughs> they're, they're really protecting Chris Saban here, rightfully so. Uh, they're going to hit Tardy with a guitar after the match, where Rhino makes the same save. Team 3D come out, and they quickly brawl to end the show. Oh, we didn't even talk about Team Canada and uh, Team 3D. I guess that that we should talk about that. That was on the Primetime Special too. It was a very long match and it was fine. It sure was. It was a 101 heat comeback uh, finish tag match that also happened to be like 15 minutes. And
2: Bubba beat everyone up. Mm.
3: And, like, this is the, the period now where we're firmly in uh, uh, panic, Eric Young, scared, paranoid Eric Young, where he's... he's... Yeah,
2: it's, a, it's the best. Like, everything, he's just so upset 24-7. Uh,
3: he does jump at his pyro for the first time, and he doesn't take the bump for it, but he does, like, the, the jump scare grab his heart for it for the first time, I think, this Yeah, month.
2: He, he's been selling the pyro, like, already, mm. but now he's,
3: like, fully, like, ah! Under. He just does not like it. Everybody's out to get Eric Young um there was heat and bubba in this match apparently for taking liberties he was working a little too stiff and like there's a note that like joe works like that too but everyone expects it as opposed to bubba's like no <laughs> bubba's just like joe can do
2: it i'm gonna do it yeah
3: it's built into the big bubba and joe match which probably... they never have a big singles i think they had one in the bound for glory series in 2012 i want to say but i don't remember was that any good it feels like those two would have a very good match in the right circumstances don't
2: worry we'll, we'll get there
3: we'll uh we'll find out uh, this is today once again in the during this match please for the love of god call your friends and he's like if you have a friend who may have been turned off by some other wrestling for the love of god call on them. this network <laughs> a1 tries to use the hockey stick but real okay take it from him 3d hit the 3d on ey for the way
2: um, see the problem that mike tanae is facing mm-hmm. is his expectation that wrestling fans have friends
3: Ah yeah, that is a problem they may run into. Mm. That's actually the, the only reason this show did a, a an equivalent rating to what they were doing on Saturday night. <laughs>
2: yeah, they call your friends and they're like who Yeah.
3: And then they actually felt bad about the fact that they didn't have friends and stopped watching. And I cried. Main event of the pay-per-view is a six-man tag team match. It is America's Most Wanted in Jeff Jarrett versus Team 3D and Rhino. As said, it was basically like the entire match was a big arena-wide brawl. There was a fun, like, reoccurring theme through the match of tables not being used, which would outrage 2023 fans who love nothing more than chanting "We want tables."
2: Let it be known, I was shitting on crowds for the "We want tables" like years before everyone <laughs> else started getting on their nerves.
3: You know what the worst circumstance of that chant is mm. when there will obviously be tables oh and there's already been a table <laughs> but like in a match where it's like there will be a table bump in this match and even if that, that counts as like AEW pay-per-view main event where they'll always do an announced table spot <laughs> like hmm. there will be a table bump you will be fine have some page. or like was was it Stadium Stampede or one of those matches where, where like they were doing fucking nail board spots and they were chanting we hmm. want tables it's like <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just
2: think it's, it's perfect that this is something I've been cl- complaining about on audio for years, mm-hmm. and now everyone else has caught up to me. Thus proving that again, I should be in charge because I know what everyone else is
3: going to be feeling. Yeah, years before.
2: Yeah, I've been complaining about this for, since Wednesday War Games.
3: <laughs> That's four years now. Mm-hmm. So Rhino goes to gore Jared down uh, the 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 through a table that's set up at like the the the, t- the entrance tunnel, so he's gonna gore him through a table down the tunnel, but then Storm intercepts that with a super kick. Bully was gonna power bomb Harris through a table, but Storm moved the table and Harris just landed flat on the floor, to which I would be like, I would take the table bomb, thank you very much. Yeah, but in canon. <laughs> it probably hurts a great deal more to be just power bombed on the floor. Uh, 3D were going for a double yeah. suplex, but the table was moved. AMW were going for a descent through a table, but it was intercepted. So like that—that that was the little like reoccurring theme, the little story through the the show, uh, through the match. That there was a like none of the tables were used, but they were teased to be used all the time. So big crowd wide brawl, everyone's fighting, everyone's brawling. Crowd was super into it. The crowd had, like there's great crowd heat for this, which is I I think like that's what makes crowd brawls work. If there's not heat, they're good. If there is heat, they're bad. or the other way around. If there's not heat they're bad if there is heat they're good that's that's the way crowd brawling i was gonna
2: say that's a hell of a hell of a take
3: to have (laughs) i I like the silent crowd brawling
2: oh then you you're one of those guys who are like new japan was better in the clap era
3: yeah i i just like to hear the visceral sound of crowd brawling i just want to hear the 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 thuds and the the kapows and whatnot all the batman Mm -hmm. 66 sounds i think yeah
2: you can you can accept some claps Mm. But not a, not a single word should be uttered by
3: by the crowd. So you can hear the intensity of the action.
2: Yeah, everything should sound like a Chris Jericho match in Japan. <laughs> unnecessary but i approve <laughs> Right,
3: right <laughs> he,
2: he's like one of the people who started that myth
3: he is it was all over his book that it's like oh they're they're very different they're very respectful they just sit there and silently pay attention it's like not if you're fucking over they don't <laughs> you never seen a miss Sauer match <laughs> they lose their mind unlike any crowd you've ever seen in your life
2: the most passionate pro wrestling fans of all time <laughs> you just went over Super Liger-ass
3: bitch. (laughs) I hope people start spreading, like, myths about that, about, like, modern WWE. It's like, they're actually just the most attentive (laughs) They're
2: respectful. (laughs) Mm. They're just really into the bloodline. Mm. And they, well, because, you know, are you hooting and hollering when you're watching The Sopranos?
3: No. No. You're sitting there and you're ingesting the media. There is nothing people hate more than people who are loud in the cinema. So when you're watching cinema, you should not be loud.
2: (laughs) Unless unless it is the cinematic equivalent of a WWE show, (laughs) like a Marvel movie, and it's like, oh, the entrance of the characters here, let's go go fucking nuts.
3: Well, the most famous, like, that is literally the entrance of the characters in Endgame. That is literally, like, hit the music and guys do entrances.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like, that's the only, like, group of movies that I will accept you hooting and hollering in a movie theater for. Mm. I wish that was all movies. I wish, like, when the bomb dropped in Oppenheimer, <laughs> my whole cinema just fucking went nuts. Yes. <laughs> uh, in like the minute of silence, the crash is going fucking crazy.
3: They're like the crowd in the scene afterward in that hall, just like waving their flags and going like "fuck
2: yeah." <laughs> I'm having PTSD from it.
3: Uh, Jarrett and Rhino brawled up to the Spanish announce desk where Jarrett had a low blow Rhino fell off the desk the desk was like elevated in the stands for some reason so he falls like seven feet down to a a, a series of bleachers of which he also then falls down like seven bleachers it's like Rhino what are you doing it's very uncomfortable mm, Harrison Storm bled a bunch Storm tries to fuck a beer bottle at Bully which was great but then Bully moved Literally just tried to, like, literally hurl it at him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He literally tried to fuck a beer (laughs) bottle.
3: Yeah, Storm, all his fucking beer bottles. (laughs) That's the the character, right? Rhino hits the gore on Jarrett, but Harris pulled the referee out. 3-D on Storm for the win. Uh, But then, the post-match angle. Earlier in the show, we had the debut, you might have heard of him, the instant classic Christian Cage. Yeah, we talked about it
2: in depth already. Yeah,
3: so we've covered all of the actual, like, debut promo and whatnot, so at the end of the show, he comes out, Bully's trying to powerbomb Gail through Jared through a table, so Gail's been having a, a rough time of all she ever does is be threatened with physical violence.
2: It's like, they were like, oh, Gail, this amazing person, we're signing her, bringing her in, blah, 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 and, like, all she's done
3: has just been, like, a prop. Gail doesn't work a match until, like, July. It's insane. All she does is be threatened with violence at all times.
2: Why even hire her at
3: that point? (laughs) Well, they want women on the show. But also, they don't want to book women on the show. So Jared goes to put Devon through her table off the top. But Christian comes out. He takes off his entrance jacket to reveal a Teen Canada t-shirt.
2: Scott Damore is fucking... He is, like, flabbergasted. But, like, yes, I can't believe that you've done it. Yes!
3: Yeah, like, my favourite part is when you look at Damore's facial expressions and Christian reveals the shirt, the first part of it is, like, legitimate... Like, wait, really?! (laughs) Before he goes into earnest enthusiasm, very happy, he hugs Christian, uh, then Christian transitions that into an unprettier on the more. 3D and Christian then hit a three-man 3D, that's, I guess, the 3D, on Jared through a table as we go off the air. So Christian has not... It's the 9D. <laughs> Why is it the 9D? The 3x3D. Oh, okay. but But... That would mean there would be a four D if it was regular <laughs> No, three by three, three times three, nine. But if it's two people doing it, three D. Because it's a three D by three. <laughs> but if it's a three D by two. Three by three D. I guess it's a... It's fine. What if we just call it a three by three D? Okay. <laughs> I was guess it would be a sixty rather than a four D because if, if by that logic it, it's a three by two D if it's just Bubba and Devon, so it's a sixty. Uh but yes, uh they three D Jarrett through a table as we go off the air. I like the main event. It's a it's a real fun plunder brawl. Uh, a rare instance of Jarrett doing crowd brawling where it absolutely didn't suck. Which Oh, well, because there's five other people. And there's he and yeah, AMW and the Harrison Storm bleeding. So that always helps. Uh but yes, the, uh, Christian Cage is a good guy here in DNA wrestling. For now mm. So we do have um, Monty doing stuff. <laughs> he's around. In a, in a sense. <laughs> he's, we talked about a bunch of the stuff he did where he's, he's basically just hovering around uh, Jared for the month, but on the primetime special, he does have maybe the best squash match in Impact history.
2: It's so funny, like, reading about the, like, backstage shit of it.
3: Yeah, so, like, the squash, it was very straightforward. It's the best squash match on his, in history, not because it's, like, particularly notable. He just hits three pounces. He's wrestling Brian Gamble, and, who Mike tenay says was an American Gladiator, which made me think he was, like, one of the cool guys on American Gladiator. That's what I thought. Too. And no, he was just a contestant on American Gladiator. That's that, that means you're not, did he win? I don't think so. If he he wins, you can call him that. But like when when you say, "Oh, they're they're an American Gladiator," I think of like you know Matt Morgan was an American Gladiator. Magnus was a there's a weirder number of TNA American Gladiators. Uh, Magnus was a TNA Gladiator or a a Gladiator in the UK. Uh, Oblivion, the Big O, but (laughs) contestants, fuck off, Mike. But yes, he hit one pounce. The crowd chanted one more time. He hit a second pounce. The crowd chanted one more time, and he hit a third pounce. And my favourite thing is, like, every time he hit the pounce, like, Brian Gamble was dead. So he'd spend, like, 30 seconds just picking up Brian Gamble and, like, holding him in place before then pouncing him again. It was great.
2: Hmm. I, I, my favourite, I thought it was, like, I thought it was all, like, Monty just reading the crowd and I was going to give him so much credit, but now apparently it wasn't that.
3: I, th- I think it was the case that he just did another one, but, like, there was just discussion about whether or not that was the right thing to do. Yeah, I get it because it was more the case like when he came back people we were like oh you know you're you're lessening you're a heel so you shouldn't be reacting to the crowd like that because that's a baby yeah, but he shouldn't face. be a fucking heel he shouldn't be and it's so st- like like go back to like the, the first match he had after he lost to Jarrett was that squash against Johnny Devine where he beat the shit out of Team Canada and seemed like the coolest guy in the world and then they turn him heel and it's like why are you doing this he is cool all you want to do like Bill Goldberg shouldn't have been a heel that would have been stupid so he was a baby face who killed people and people cheered. That's what... Like, the pounce is like a baby face move as it is. Yeah, he hits three pounces. So yeah, there was discussion afterwards about, like, one that it would weaken his finish. Which, like, it's not like Brian Gamble kicked out. (laughs) Like he just did the movie and like uh, even the way Monty set it up as I said he kind of emphasized that Brian Gamble was fucking dead after one he could not stand and Monty's like I'm gonna pounce him again (laughs) so he he didn't hurt it to finish the third one looked like he was actually like (laughs) murdered And then the other thing was like, should a heel do this? Which then goes back to the thing. It's like, he should not be a heel. He shouldn't be. When the crowd is chanting one more time after the heel hits his move in a squash match, maybe the guy shouldn't be a heel. Huh? Huh? DG James and
2: Sean Wolman telling him that it made his finish look weak because he had to use three to beat him. He didn't have to use three to beat him. He chose to. <laughs> he did it because he's an ass. Yeah. Ugh, these people. Brian Gamble, uh... <laughs> An extra on the TV show *Mortal Kombat: Conquest*. Oh,
3: that's a good acting credential right there.
2: With, which also featured
3: appearances from Meng and Wrath. Do you think he was like hanging out with the wrestlers on set? It's like, hey guys, I'm a wrestler too. Maybe Brian Gamble. Have you heard of me? When was when was the show? Uh, it was during Nitro era. So. Oh, so he couldn't even be the, like the I was the guy who was pounced by Monty on TV that time. No.
2: Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Conquest is like 98.
3: Mm. And then next Impact Go Home show, Monty Brown comes out and he's like, I would like a title shot because I've destroyed everybody.
2: Because I, I killed Brian Gamble. He did kill
3: an American gladiator. So he deserves it. Uh, he congratulates Jarrett, but Jarrett will feel the pounce up, period. Uh, Abyss comes out period. with Mitchell. Monty must have been eating poisonous berries because his brain is, brains are scrambled. Which is a very silly line. <laughs> uh abyss deserves the title shot more then jeff hardy comes out jeff will be facing monty at genesis and jeff as he's w- w- coming out on the ramp he he's like crawling for some reason and he looks at the camera and says i'm a monster ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the coolest thing jeff's done his whole run we're, we're coming right toward the end of the jeff rod and you can really feel it but in kind of a good way yeah
2: It's crazy that he's about to have, like, his most successful top guy around.
3: (laughs) Yeah, because he's about to go back to WWE where he's going to, like, go into the McConnell title picture and be, like, a really hot mid-card star and then become the hottest wrestler in WWE. And
2: then become world
3: champion. Like, I had a a discussion with somebody at one stage about whether or not Jeff Hardy or CM Punk was a bigger star. And I was like, to the people Punk means something to, he means a lot to. But at, at mm. the peak of Jeff Hardy's powers, he is the only babyface that was, like, on John Cena's level. I think Jeff was the biggest
2: star for a shorter period.
3: Yeah, like, like at, at their respective peaks, Jeff was absolutely positively a bigger star. Yeah, but Punk had longevity as a star, and Jeff jeffed <laughs> every time he he'd be well. Punk punked. So it's <laughs> true they do implode at their still their stars for very different reasons. When Punk starts his new promotion, he should
2: bring Jeff. Yeah, in. I'm just gonna keep speaking it until it happens because I want it to happen so badly.
3: I feel like like modern fans don't realize just how big a star Jeff was in 2008. Like, yeah, that, that was my like peak WWE fandom. Uh, Not to be the Google Trends guy, but I was looking at it while having that discussion. And like the only baby face in WWE over the last 15 years that has peaked higher on Google Trends at any point than John Cena was Jeff Hardy during that run mm. like, there is the, the, uh, it didn't last very long for, for various reasons and it didn't come with them to TNA for various reasons but 2008-2009 uh, Jeff Hardy was the biggest baby face in the company other than Cena and bigger than Cena mm. for a little
2: bit he, yeah, he was he was it, it like it was insane mm. <laughs> Jeff Hardy Mania was going wild
3: so th- this segment was the classic Liam Jones special Monty, Abyss, Hardy all coming out being like I'd like to be number one contenders Brawl security separates them
2: mm. my I I, I I attest that it's only a special when it's cool, but yeah, sure.
3: Do you have an issue with Abyss? I
2: just like, I don't know, like the end result for all this is wrestling Jeff Jarrett. I'm a monster.
3: Arr. That's
2: kind of sick though. That was kind of
3: sick. I won't lie. Monty faces Hardy on the pay per view, and the match I thought was pretty okay for what it was. Yeah, you know, it was pretty
2: good. Like, just as as far as, like, a regular-ass match that was Jeff doing Jeff, Steve, hey, you pretty good. Monty got to win.
3: Yeah, it was a, a three-star mid-card match that was trying to be a three-star mid-card match. I'm like,
2: cool. And that's not bad, you know. Mm. You don't need every... I mean, you know, an AEW pay-per-view. <laughs> a little more <laughs> of a high bar. But for what we have now, you know, I'll take a three-star mid-card match.
3: But, like, part of the reason some AEW pay-per-views do feel very badly paced... Is like everyone is going out there to have their four and a half star match. And when, like, sometimes when that hits, you get, like, best pay-per-view of all time. And then other times it's like mm-hmm. when everybody goes out there to have their four and a half star match, it's like, ugh, guys, it's exhausting. <laughs> we had a million year falls in the last match. We were having a million year falls in this one, a million year falls in the next one. Sometimes it's like we went out there to have a three-star pay-per-view match and we had a nice three-star pay-per-view match. It works for pacing, I think. I
2: don't think you need it all the time. I think it really depends where on, like, textual stuff. Mm. But I do, I do get the value in it.
3: Hardy tried to run along the rail or not the rail because like, the, the impact zone <laughs> there's the rail which is like just a regular very thin rail which you couldn't really run along and then uh, behind that there's like there's the pit of fans and behind that the, at the front of the bleachers I guess there's like a, a little row that uh, like denotes the the front of the bleachers so Hardy ran along that and tried to jump onto Monty but he did the same thing he did when he tried to jump onto AMW where he like briefly stepped on the rail but continued his momentum onto Monty I'm like are you like magic can you just stand on things like that and not die?
2: I think that's like where all of his body awareness goes, mm. <laughs> his ability to run on small surfaces. Remember that one time he like ate shit completely. Things <laughs> in like a Fed match.
3: I don't. He was like running on it and he tripped. <laughs> oh, that is that's the woes of being Jeff Hardy at all times. You, you might. Eat the shit. fact
2: that I can only remember like one instance of that happening is pretty impressive.
3: Yeah, because he used to do it on the WWE arcade a lot which is always a cool spot uh he ate shit on a whisper in the wind but then hit one shortly after uh i talk about it on the watch along but it's it's so remarkable how fast he hits the whisper in the wind it's, it's just like one of the i've seen old jeff hardy for too long where he very slowly goes up for the whisper in the wind and it doesn't really hit it that well these days that where you like you watch the one where he can like leap to the top into the whisper in the wind in like one fluid motion you're like oh yeah he used to be young he did used to be young Uh, Hardy misses the Swanton, Monty hits him with a pounce. Monty is, in theory, number one contender, but I don't think he ever gets a title shot.
2: (laughs) The story of Monty Brown.
3: That's true. Uh, Sabu and Abyss.
2: It's awesome, these guys... Are physically incapable of not having a fantastic match against each other. So I like, I remember when we were getting up to Genesis, I got a message that was like, just you wait, <laughs> just you wait. You're gonna get some abyss again and another sleeper hit. And I was like, all right, let's go. And we got there and I was like, yes.
3: Would you like me to make you a little mad before we go into the bill for this match? Sure. Dave Meltzer gave Sabu and Abyss the rating of one and a half stars. I mean, yeah, but he gives, like, an edge ladder match
2: ten stars, so what the <laughs> fuck does he know?
3: There is a little bit of it where he's, like, moralizing about Eddie Guerrero, and he's like... Oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah, where he's like, Eddie died, and these guys are doing thumbtack spots for no reason that aren't even finishes. And I'm like, dude, shut up.
2: Like, shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Mm.
3: October 29th, Impact. Abyss faces Lance Hoyt in a rematch of their pay-per-view match.
2: Right, I'm, so, I'm so happy to see this match again. Their
3: pay-per-view match was great. This one was fine. Yeah,
2: but I'm sick of seeing the same matches over and over and over You
3: just hate Lance Hoyt now. I do kind of hate
2: Lance Hoyt now.
3: Abyss hit a chokeslam. Mitchell slid in a chair. Hoyt booted the chair into Abyss's face, but then Mitchell pulled Hoyt off. Uh, Abyss hit the black hole slam for the win. He got some tacks, but the lights went out. As they came back on, Sabu was running into position, so he wasn't quite there. He was like, ooh, 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 ooh. I was just thinking, you know, it would have been fun Odd. if
2: when Hoyt debuted in AEW, instead of Jack the Snack, he had James Mitchell as his uh, manager.
3: Yeah, it's a shame that, like, Mitchell still pops up at Impact every now and again doing Undead Realms stuff. But, like, it's crazy to me that, like, when this run ended, no one else was like, we need to get James Mitchell in here right now.
2: Mm. Yeah, this is, like, his like, only big run in
3: yeah, like the only other like he he manages max the impaler in the NWA. That's like the only other like thing. But this
2: is his only major run
3: in the modern era. Yeah. That's like why are you, why aren't we hiring James Mitchell? I guess because WWE were on top for a lot so long and they hate managers. I think is, is that. He also probably I can imagine he's like not super pumped travel a lot. He's doing his wedding DJ stuff, mm. which is wild to think <laughs> on aew television. <laughs> yeah I, oh yeah, he would like I do like the canonical the sinister minister is in fact the because he he went right off the the Johnny Bravo wedding into doing that as well. so it was just like, yes, he is the the minister. He is overseeing these weddings. He,
2: he should do every wrestling wedding. He should.
3: It should be one of those things where every time there's a wrestling wedding, it's just Father James. Do you
2: think we'll ever get another AEW wedding angle?
3: I think so. Like, wedding angles are the kind of thing that, like, people might think are too sports entertainment but, like, nah, they're just wrestling staples. I don't think we're gonna get
2: it again. Just because I think it feels a little too far away from what and what an AEW would do. I feel like it fits very, like, tightly into what they were, like, trying to, like, you know, keep things interesting and different during the pandemic era, but I can't imagine them doing one in front of, like, a full arena. Or an 80% full arena.
3: <laughs> or, well, based on some arenas, maybe a little less than 80 there's no reason for us to take these shots. They're just funny. We're just being petty. <laughs> just to make people mad. Uh, like, TNA had some great weddings. Like, the, the Aces and Eights one where the, uh, Taz does the, the dramatic turn is very silly. Uh, uh, the the ODB and Eric Young steel cage wedding, where where Sarita and Rosita come out and attempt to, uh, like, swoon Eric and to steal him away by doing sexy poses. And he has to overcome temptation to, to marry ODB. That's also a good bit. I think weddings are fucking stupid. Uh, there's the Laurel Van Ness wedding, which is maybe the best one. That one is an unbelievably good segment, but... I don't know. They're they're silly wrestling nonsense. I'm on board with weddings.
2: Nah, no 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 weddings in my wrestling. No
3: love. You don't want love in your wrestling. No, love is a, love is is all throughout pro wrestling, but I
2: don't need a fucking wedding for
3: it. <laughs> Sabu comes out, lights out, Sabu is up there, and he pulls off a, a cover over his arm to reveal barbed wire over his <gasps> bloody arm. Which, because this is Sabu, I'd like to think it's actually shoot blood.
2: Yeah, it's awesome.
3: So he has barbed wire over his arm, and this scares the shit out of Abyss. Abyss cowers away as he'll face Sabu in a no DQ match, suggesting that uh, despite Abyss being a hardcore crazy person, he does not, in fact, particularly care for barbed wire. scared, canonically. <laughs> Abyss had a large bruise in his leg from where Hardy landed on him from the Swanton bomb at the pay-per-view and Abyss was knocked out and seeing stars for about 10 seconds uh, even though his leg and not his head took the brunt of the punishment. So he was like he just took that impact from that height that he was like winded and knocked into like complete like uh, obliviousness for 10 seconds and also had a very large bruise but still worked TV the next day because Abyss is clearly a trooper. Um, opening match of the primetime special was a six-man tag as we were talking about it. It's Sabu, Lance Hoyt and Jeff Hardy against the Diamonds in the Rough. This match very clearly cut short because Sabu hurts his toe, or well, hurts his foot. It looks like he hurts his ankle when you're watching it. And uh, then the match ends, like literally 30 seconds later. Hardy just hits a swanton and wins. Uh, so clearly, Sabu got hurt in this match and they cut it short. So it was a match. He suffered a broken toe as it happened. Yeah.
2: Listen, I'm not going to complain about it being short.
3: They replayed Hardy's spontane during his entrance, which you would expect. And they also talked about how the Diamonds in the Rough... (laughs) Tanae is like, the Diamonds in the Rough's confidence level must be at an all-time high after they won one single match. Good bit. They have won one match, and they're doing good. And and wordplay, primetime, was in primetime. That's good wordplay, Garrett. Thank you. Well, Mike Tanae said it, but I'll take credit.
2: Just take fucking credit for it.
3: Abyss hits Sabu with a black hole slime after this match, after the six-man tag. Uh, didn't have anything Sabu-related in the go-home, probably because, again, he was injured, so he's probably meant to be in that main event in the Chris Saban spot, I would guess. But uh, he broke his toe, so no. And Abyss comes out and does the rrr, rrr, title shot stuff. So James Mitchell on the pay-per-view does a promo with franchise and Abyss. And Mitchell is like, there is one thing Abyss fears, and it's barbed wire. And every time he says barbed wire, Abyss <laughs> jumps. He's like, rrr. He doesn't even like the word. He's just like, the, even the word is like, ah. And he's like, we went through years of therapy to get him over this fear of barbed wire because he has some kind of barbed wire related trauma in his past. And he was so close. This is the promo. Like, he's like, we went to therapy sitting down with Dr. Stevie, I guess. To talk through his- <laughs> I'd be way more into this segment. <laughs> if Dr. Stevie was in it. Sadly he was still employed by W V at that stage. So one day. He was like, we went to therapy, we were overcoming this trauma, and then you had to come along with your fucking barbed wire and ruin everything. Yeah. So he's like, anyway, Abyss will kill you, and then Abyss takes an egg out and crushes it in his own face to illustrate him crushing a bit Sabu's brain. He also got the, the yolk all over his mask, which that mask probably smelled of yolk for the rest <laughs> of the night. That was so gross. So then Abyss, Sabu, in a no disqualification match. Ah, uh,
2: yeah, that's awesome. It starts off with the amazing spot of, like, Sabu having his Arm covered again, and then he t- and then he just takes it up, and there's nothing there. Sabu
3: playing mind games. Amazing, uh, but that distraction does allow Sabu to do what Sabu does, which is fuck a chair, his Ad- head. Uh, Sabu hits Abyss with a top rope perk and Rana which is one of those bumps that Abyss takes it's like what what, you're so big why are you taking bumps like this you're crazy and I love you
2: because he's a crazy person and
3: he always like the way like Abyss takes like bumps like that he always like flips slightly to the side again everything Abyss does we've talked about this before but like every one of his movements is unlike how you've ever seen anybody move the way he runs and he charges is awesome the way he takes like a bump over the ropes and always lands ass first on the apron is awesome the way like he takes a her a, a top rope work and ran it where he like does a weird bump like flip to the side over her. it's like everything abyss does is unique he's not like any other wrestler as you watch him and more wrestlers should be like that they shouldn't just be doing like the same cookie cutter spots the way you see everybody yeah. else do them when you watch abyss both like with his moveset and the stuff he does but just the way he moves and just the way every bumps it's different you should feel different
2: Well, that's the thing is like bumping differently from everything else is a very, from everyone else is a very easy way to stand out Mm. too. Because a lot of people focus on like their mannerisms while doing stuff, but not a lot of people focus on selling differently. So you see someone who does sell like in a very different way that stands out.
3: Yeah, to go through the current extreme. Anytime you watch a Darby Allen match, yeah, and you see him eat shit on every single move. You're like that is you are one of the most compelling wrestlers around.
2: I've been delving around the pervert shoot style scene a little bit lately, mm-hmm. and Alexander Otska is someone who reminds me of that a lot. Like he when he's doing these and he's just getting his ass kicked and he just he looks like he's being ragdolled by strikes and it's amazing. Mm-hmm
3: it's it's one of those things people don't work on that people should work on that you're not just taking the same flatbacks everybody else is you're not moving the same everybody else is you do do things differently feel different well that's like something you see in like omega too is he takes everything in a very
2: different way than most yeah he's a
3: weird freak
2: you know i'm thinking of people who do this and they're all they're all weird freaks mm. Because it's Abyss, it's Darby, it's Otsuka, it's Omega, it's Osprey. <laughs> it's just a bunch of weird freaks. <laughs> Get more weird freaks in wrestling. Preferably weird freaks about their own bodies and not weird freaks in mm. other ways. We have enough of weird freaks in other ways.
3: Sabu so slingshots over the ropes and Leg drops Abyss through a table on the floor. He goes to use a barbed wire of a chair, but Mitchell hooks it with his cane and takes it away from him.
2: It's a good bit, even though it was kind of
3: fucked yeah, up. Yeah, he doesn't quite hook it; he kind of misses, but it's it's like it's enough to interfere with Sabu's rhythm. That you're like, okay, it, it just about works. It works enough. Mm. Abyss got his bag of tacks, he poured them out, and then hit a spinning choke slam onto Sabu into the tacks. That, and it looks like it looks like an Urinagi. Yeah, he just like choke slams him, turns him in the air, and just like boah. Because a regular choke slam isn't enough. That's not gonna get enough thumbtacks in your back. You have to spin them to really get that no. force and momentum going.
2: I really got a Abyss really shut me the fuck up when I was criticizing his his spread of his thumbtacks in this mm-hmm. match. <laughs> I was like, they're all in one area. It looks so lame. And then like a
3: billion thumbtacks are in Sabu's back.
2: And I'm like, you know what? Shut the fuck up, Liam. How about that? Yeah,
3: because he he has a routine, which I I think is a a character beat as much as anything else. That when he pours... I do too. When he pours thumbtacks, he does do a thing where he like spends like 20 seconds, like spreading them and making sure they're just right. He's like hyper fixing. Yeah. And like like, Tanae always mentions it on commentary that like he he gets like tunnel vision. That like when he's focused on a task, he's like, I have to put my thumbtacks out and do my thumbtacks right i like to think he sings a little song as he it's does it.
2: the abyss character is actually probably way more nuanced than people think
3: because he always got knocked but being like the fake mankind or the fake cane and like no he's not no he's like there's like
2: levels to the abyss character and i think it's because it's not like explicitly said
3: to the audience
2: mm. that maybe wrestling fans are too stupid to pick up on it
3: but like there's levels to it like he is playing the role of monster like he is not just like big guy, you know, he's not just used to, he's mm. actually playing the role of monster. So he's doing the little things you would expect like a Frankenstein monster to kind of do, like be weirdly fixated on how the thumbtacks work. Mm. It's cool. I like it. Stands out. Abyss misses a splash, lantern tacks. Sabus, then Springboard pushes Abyss into the tax. He does like a Springboard and it looks like he, he, I think maybe it was meant to leg drop him, but there was too much distance. So he stopped and did like a double cross chop push to knock Abyss into the tax. <laughs>
2: Just awesome.
3: Uh, black hole slam onto a barbed wire chair for the win and there was a ton of blood on Sabu's back, which I'm not sure was from the tax or was it shoot barbed wire? I'm not sure. Either way his back looked fucked up. And that's all that matters. The end result. Uh, but yes, uh, Abyss ran away, even though he won using barbed wire he was like
2: i still think the first match is better Um, or maybe stands out a little more but like they both kind of (laughs) rock
3: it's just two guys who are unique like sabu again falls into that category of a dude who is just unlike anything else you see in wrestling he is a crazy wild man who might fuck up half his spots but that's like half of his appeal i thought you were gonna call him a crazy white boy Abyss is a crazy white Abyss boy. Abyss is the craziest of white boys. But like, Sabu, is, he's just the wild man. And like, part of Sabu's appeal, like, people are like, oh, he might miss his dives. Like, that's Sabu. Yeah,
2: that owns.
3: <laughs> that's like a percent. I know, like, there was the theory that sometimes he'd fuck it up on purpose just to, like, m- magnify his mystique,
1: I guess. I
2: think
3: that's been, like, triple confirmed now from people. It's like to to sell
2: the danger and unpredictability of a Sabu match. Sometimes he would just eat shit,
3: and it's the kind of thing. It's just like if you ate shit, you just like start spreading that as a rumor. It's like actually, I do that on purpose to really sell the character.
2: Because <laughs> I think there was like some people that would wrestle him. and said like he would call that mm. to them. He'd be like, "I'm gonna do the springboard and we're gonna fuck it up." <laughs> Maybe it was just really self-detrimental.
3: <laughs> you do have two guys who are unique, distinct, and willing to absolutely kill themselves <laughs> to have a good hardcore match. So they are absolutely, and again, big man rel like who's not small, but relative to Abyss, is small. So it's like big man bumping around small man is always like a a good dynamic. Just throw him with a spinning choke slam into some thumbtacks, and you have a good wrestling match. Better than one and a half stars, Dave Meltzer. Yeah, that's insane. Star and a half. That's disrespectful.
2: Um, I, I was Googling because we were talking about it on the watch along if Abyss and Moxley ever had a match. Mm-hmm. They did, but it was a six man. And what a six man this is. On one side, John Moxley, Roger Ruffin, and Ryan Stone mm-hmm. versus Muldoon. <laughs> aka Dustin Thomas which I've heard the name Chris Harris yeah. and
3: Abyss That's a dream match when was that
2: 2007 Ooh. at NWF Aggression It's
3: a dream match anywhere in the world yeah
2: featuring other big matches like brian jennings versus crybaby
3: with crazy courtney crybaby's finally gonna get his comeuppance he's finally gonna be a crybaby
2: and of course the american eagle defeating dr melvin Winkleman.
3: is the american eagle like a product placement wrestler (laughs) i don't know go buy your american eagle jeans or whatever i'm the american eagle wait a minute
2: the american eagle also known as canadian player
3: Uh, he, he he covers both. That's actually a great pro-wrestling bit. They're like, in America, American Eagle. In Canada, Canadian player. <laughs> That's
2: amazing. <laughs> Who else do we have on this card? We have Austin Midler, Ice, and Stewie Buckland defeating the Warlock and the Zodiacs. <laughs> so many wrestling names. We have Christa- Christopher Michael Lotus going to a no contest for the NWF United <laughs> Unified title against Benjamin Kimura. So many names in and the Thugs, Nasty Russ and T-Money defeated the Hippies, Jesse Hyde and Pompano Joe. Again, names
3: everywhere. We're doing names all over the place. Chad Allegra defeats Anthony Bryant. Chad Allegra is Carl Anderson, Carl Anderson yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know that name. That's, Ch- that's Chad Too yeah. Bad. Wow, what a show. <laughs> a young Carl Anderson and a young John Moxley with Chris Harrison Abyss on top. Imagine
2: if it was Moxley and... <laughs> Chad Allegra against and <laughs> Abyss. Abyss
3: and and, and Chris Harris. Tremendous match! They didn't know what they had in that. Where was that indie? I'm gonna guess it's Kentucky Indy.
2: It was Ohio NWF. Uh, it's Moxley in 2007. You think he's getting far out of out of Ohio? Kentucky
3: is not very far out of Ohio. Ohio?
2: What do you think? What's the last Carl Anderson match that you
3: remember? That <laughs> I remember? Yeah, the, the G1 I saw final in 2012. <laughs> It's the most recent one. (laughs) That's the last one. I'm like, it's a good Carl Anderson match, huh? Um, Oh, I
2: never said good.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm kind of sad that Carl seemed to just give up.
2: But he just wrestled on the WWE Super
3: Show. Like, in fairness, he gave up because he's making more money than he's ever made, so he doesn't need to try. <laughs> so all power to yeah. him, but it's a shame. Seems to
2: be, like, only doing live shows. Yeah, they're doing,
3: because, like, they're on TV, because, like, they were only doing live events while AJ was injured. And now AJ is back, mm. and they're still doing the the OC, is that the name of their t- stable? Yeah. With Mia Yim as well? Like, they're, they're still on but, TV, like, but they're not They're
2: wrestling. not on TV, yeah, like, the last... TV match was about a month ago. Because
3: I know they were in a, a backstage uh, segment with AJ recently when he was being like, I'm gonna wrestle Solo Sokow, and then they were there being like, you shouldn't do that. But it's like, I'm gonna do it! AJ Styles, house that I built. And now
2: that AJ, and AJ's doing like a, Oh, we gotta get our shit
3: together, the OC. So you can do a big OC against Bloodline and or the other one, Judgment Day feud. I
2: think, I think they're doing all of them against each other right now. Honestly,
3: could do worse things than Stable Wars. Yeah, but the OC is just the shittest. shit. shite. Mia Yim. Yeah. Me, Mia Yim would have a good match at Rare Ripley. Yeah, you know what? But the Bloodline
2: doesn't have anyone
3: that they can throw into sexist that. Sexist women. No, sexist Bloodline. God damn it.
2: Yeah, what, Bloodline, they don't have The Rock's shitty daughter. Get her up. Call her up. Or Tamina. <laughs> yeah kevin Owens would be so happy <laughs> yeah why doesn't the bloodline have any female representation that's a
3: good question it's kind of
2: it's kind of fucked up
3: <laughs> so the only other uh, heavyweight-ish feud is raven raven's banging around he hates Larry abisco so on i'm sure raven's banging around <laughs> well that's the entire point of the story that he's like he's found a woman and everyone's like you've gone soft <laughs> And he's like, brother, I'm not, I haven't gotten
2: soft, let me tell you. Oh, God.
3: October 29th, hey, yo. Impact. Franchise has hey, Raven. a wants it's me, Raven. Raven feels about all the recent title happenings. Cassidy Riley hey, comes in and yo. is like, Raven, what the fuck happened to you? You're a bitch. <laughs> it's like, has, has she made you soft? And Raven's like, yeah, yo.
2: <laughs>
3: Raven's turned into Johnny Polo. <laughs> Raven backhands him and leaves so even even cassidy <laughs> riley is, is is calling out Raven's softness dick jokes <laughs> uh primetime special franchise has rhino he, he proved that he has the heart of a champion but then Ra- raven walks up it's like where's my title shot larry's you stop me from getting that shot and then security drags him away as rhino then is like i'm wrestling in the event sorry sorry raven i don't
2: think raven's wrestled in like 10 months
3: Well, yeah, since he defended the title at Unbreakable, he has not wrestled on TV. What's going on? (laughs) He wrestles in the pay-per-view, so. But, like, what's going on? Shiny new toy. We have Ryan, we have Christian, we don't need Raven. Yeah, but, like, can we do that with, like, Jared? (laughs) No, because he owns the company. Uh... So, franchise has uh, Raven and Larry on the go-home show, and Larry's like, here is your release. If you want, you can leave. Or if you don't, I'm going to make your life miserable. Tony Khan should have done that with Punk on TV. (laughs) raven's like no fuck you punk's like no fuck Mm. you
2: then lunges at him
3: there is a lot of lunging at larry in this so like Mm. this segment does end with raven lunging at larry and screaming i'll kill you what did what did he know (laughs) and raven was like a mentor to punk so (laughs) Mm. what did he know raven has a great knock knock joke here where he says knock knock who's there blood blood who blood gushing out of the scarlet crater where your arm used to be zibisco got him (laughs)
2: That's funny. A bit bit wordy. You should have just been like, Hey, I'm hard. God damn it. (laughs) This is my
3: new favorite Raven (laughs) gimmick. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Larry books Raven in a match against the mystery opponent at the pay-per-view and that mystery opponent turns out to be just incredible, PJ Polacco okay. you sound very enthusiastic I
2: fucking hate PJ Polacco it's not a very good match
3: so yeah before the match uh, today suggests Raven opening the show as a sign of disrespect to Raven as opposed to like AEW where people politic to get the opener because that's when the crowd are hot so Larry offered Raven before the match the choice again. You can leave and you don't have to wrestle tonight and you'll never be here again. Or you can face my mystery opponent and Raven is once again like, fuck you, I'll face your mystery opponent. I'll do whatever you don't want me to do, dad. I do like the way I use the word lunge in the notes. <laughs> it's like, I, I didn't even mean that. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah, Larry shade at Raven's new girlfriend to get what causes Raven to lunge at him.
2: And knock over a bunch of production equipment. Yeah,
3: he took out Dixie with that actually and he's been fine. I've never felt for my life more <laughs> <laughs>
2: And someone in the crowd goes, "You fucking pussy."
0: <laughs> uh,
3: the match is weird in that I think Raven has discovered MMA. He always he's been flirting with it, but there's a bunch of stuff where he starts trying like to do takedowns. He does like grapple, front face locks into takedowns. He's doing knees. Oh my god, Raven is punk! And he does like a spinning back fist, and he does like he's always done the ankle lock. Like the ankle lock has been his like submission thing. But there's a bunch of stuff in this where he's doing like mma ground and pound and like grapples at the t- it's like did you start watching mma raven is this what's happened here oh he's on the same network now that's true it's good synergy he wins with the raven effect and stares down larry z it's a, it's a replacement level match that you will not think about again in your life i'd say it's worse than that <laughs> It might be being kind to pj palako on raven's mma mm. That brings us over to the X-Division, where the X-Division title feud for the Montez, Ages AJ Styles and Williams. So PD Williams won the Ultimate X match at Bound for Glory in, in suspicious circumstances. Suspicious being the X fell into his hands. In the coolest ending ever. Fuck you, Dave Meltzer mm. again.
2: Maybe Dave Meltzer was just never fair to TNA. Should we start, like, that part of the podcast now? There are people who do push
3: that as a narrative. And I think he's probably historically harsher on TNA than he needs to be. But then there's also long stretches where tna is really bad
2: so mm. but like at this point like he's just sitting on the good things yeah too.
3: and like he's, he's 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 not a good critic I think that's what it always comes back to with Dave. That the thing people always criticize him for is the thing he is really bad at. And it's like, the fact that that he's the the premier wrestling critic is just by default, just by being around for as long as he has been, that he has become... But like, he has never had interesting thoughts about wrestling. That's never been him. He's never been a guy who I'm like, Hmm. oh, I can't wait to hear Dave Meltzer break that down. You know, he's never been that guy. He writes a wall of text to describe the moves and puts a star rating on it. And then people go crazy over his opinion. It's like <laughs> he's never had an interesting. thought. that's that, that. I don't want to put it that way. That he's never had an interest. He's never had an interesting. Yeah, thought. He's never expressed his thoughts interestingly about wrestling. That's just never been him.
2: Well, he, yeah, he, he 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 doesn't like rate it as a creative mm. endeavor. He he's like the equivalent of the 2K games, where it's like the more moves
3: you do, the higher the star <laughs> goes up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the October 29th Impact Wave Attack team match, AJ Styles and Sanjay Duff versus Alex Shelley and Roderick Strong. Uh, I like this match a lot. I thought they went out there and worked a real good TV match. There's a better match the next week, but uh, I do like the little continuity. I'm not sure is it deliberate, but like of the people that Styles chose to face Daniels, there was Shark Boy and there was Sanjay, and now he's teaming with Sanjay. So I feel like there's there's a little bit of continuity there. He's like teaming with his pal.
2: Because well, Sanjay's also like one of the only pure babyface Activision
3: guys other than um, AJ. Yeah, there's him, AJ, and Saban. Really, there's a lot, of, and then there's a lot of heels, mm-hmm. which I guess makes sense when you have a babyface champion, but maybe when you don't
2: I mean you look at the the X match at the pay per view, you have Ares and Bentley on the same team as
3: Saban and Sunday. And like Ares is meant to be a babyface, but he's also Austin Ares.
2: Yeah, like like he's like but like Matt Bentley is very
3: clearly still in. Mm. So Damore joined commentary to complain about the fact that the Ultimate X is being done over because the, the rematch will be done in the primetime special. and he's like, We won fair and square. <laughs> uh, Roddy did a drop kick and then did AJ's taunt, so AJ spat in his face. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Which is awesome actually.
3: Uh, finish Styles pin Strong with the Styles Clash. A really good tag. I re- I like this a lot, uh, but there's a better match that we'll talk about when we're talking about uh, Elevation Elevation X? No, Elimination X. Elevation X is something very different. Should be Elevation X.
2: I fucking love Elevation X. It's so it's dumb. An
3: eight-man scaffold match. An eight-man elimination yeah. scaffold match.
2: <laughs> so you have to throw seven people off the scaffold. Yeah,
3: last man standing. Uh, so they redo Ultimate X on the primetime special. P. D. Williams, Chris Saban, Matt Bentley again. P. D. Williams wins again. I fell asleep. It got a little fire display, though. They set off some fire for Ultimate X. Uh, Petey started chasing Tracy up the Ultimate X structure, but Bentley clotheslines him. That was a fun bit. I love Petey's weird obsession bordering on creepiness with Tracy Brooks. <laughs> Ho- Hall of at Tracy Brooks. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's an Impact 1000 spoiler, Liam. It's
2: going to be out after Impact 1000.
3: Well, it, it was taped last night.
2: But <laughs> I know, but I'm saying, like, it'll be out after... <laughs>
3: Either way, you've spoiled the show. Everyone's gonna be mad at you. Oh, no one's gonna watch it now. It's all my fault. Um, PD power bombs Bentley from the cables, and then the X started dangling from one thing again. It started falling. It was like, <laughs> not again,
2: no. It would have been perfect if it fell and he caught it again.
3: Oh, if they actually did it prior, like that, they manipulated it this time somehow with magnets. It's actually it's actually the magnet at the core of the Earth that keeps everybody <laughs> that instills gravity. It <laughs> pulls the X down. See, it's, e- it's even fucking that up. Mm. Uh P- Bentley kicks Petey from the cables into a PD rana on Sabin. Matt Bentley throws such a good super kick. I've discovered this. It is
2: great. <clears throat> and like you know like legally he has he, to.
3: It is it's genetic. <laughs> it runs in the family. But there's a bunch of super kicks. He hits one on Elimination X as well that is just perfectly timed. Mm. It's like, it's not the connection of the kick. It's like the timing of the kick. It's like uh, whenever he does like a sequence that is punctuated by him hitting the super kick, like the timing of that super kick is always perfect. Um, so Damore tries to interfere but Tracy spears him both Petey and Bentley are dangling but Petey kicks Bentley in the balls and wins and the Morphoplex move of the night is the Canadian Destroyer getting that 200 grand so Petey will once again officially challenge AJ Styles at Genesis for the X Division title after he's won two Ultimate X matches to earn the honour
2: that's a hell of a build for someone like a hell of a mini push (laughs) to have them win two Ultimate X's that's
3: what you get when you have equipment malfunctions I guess uh, so then the main event of the go home show actually it wasn't the main event it was just a match on the go home show it was a styles clash versus canadian destroyer match in which pd williams faced aj styles non title the winner would be the person who hit the styles clash or the canadian destroyer to which i have like the question If you are AJ or PD, if you hit the other guy's move in this match, do you still win? I think you have to hit your one specifically. That would be a great finish, though, or like PD wins by hitting the Styles Clash. Oh, that'd be a
2: a great match. That should be a great match in general. You have to hit your opponent's Mm. finish, or like you do like a a ten man elimination, and the only way to be eliminated is to have someone hit your move on 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 you.
3: What do you think about this as like a, a, an idea in general, like a finisher challenge match?
2: I, oh, I like finisher challenge matches. I think they're
3: fun. Like you can only really do it with two guys who have distinct finishes, like Styles and PD do.
2: It'd be really funny if it was like, you're doing it like, I don't know, randomly. It's like Omega versus Danielson, and Danielson just gets to do the bell lock.
3: <laughs> or like the the, the knee, which is very easy to hit quickly. Versus the One-Wing Angel. <laughs> or you do like Edge versus Rowan Reigns in a Spear match. <laughs> Who can hit their mediocre spear first and win?
2: <laughs> you have to hit the other person's mediocre spear and win. Mm. Roman has to do the
3: hug. Uh, so it, it only really works when you have people who have like distinct finishers, like the Stars Clash and the Canadian Destroyer. But it's it's a cool thing to do...
2: What if AJ hit the spiral tap in this match?
3: No, but, but you see, it is a, a Styles Clash versus Destroyer. They didn't just say Finisher. They mm. did expressly say Styles Clash versus Canadian Destroyer match. Which is, to my question, is like, if you hit the other guys, we would you still win? Because, like, it is a Styles Clash versus Canadian mm. Destroyer match, but um, it, it, it's a fun idea, because like, obviously the, the aim of this is they wanted a way to give PD, like, a one-up on AJ without beating AJ. So the way to do that, they came up with this cool idea, you know, if you hit the Finisher, you win. The match was actually fine. It wasn't a great uh, advert. for for the pay-per-view in that it, like the match it was actually nothing special in the end uh, my favorite part is Mike Dine starts talking about how people have t the Canadian Destroyer or recorded it just so that they can re-watch it and I'm like oh the world before <laughs> there was GIFs
2: ah uh, New Japan now
3: mm. <laughs> You're <laughs> copyright us just for saying that. Mm. Every time AJ hits a cool move and he does his like big pump up fire on Papa, pump his chest, look super jacked. He's super into it. It's the best. Mm. He's so good. AJ, AJ is on one at the moment. Yeah. Like anytime he does his dive or anytime he does his dropkick, he's just like, it is the, the adrenaline is clearly pumping through his veins. And he's like just so pumped up. Uh, Styles goes for the clash where PD grabs Andrew Thomas's leg. Styles then pulls for the Styles clash so hard that Andrew Thomas is sent flying.
2: (laughs) Because he's so amped up, he's so jacked.
3: DeMore gets in the ring and tries to hit Styles with the belt, but Styles got DeMore set up in the Styles Clash.
2: <laughs> Wait a minute. If AJ hit the Styles Clash on DeMore, would it have counted? <laughs> it
3: is a Styles Clash versus Canadian. It did hit a Styles match. Clash. Yeah, they, 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 it never
2: says Styles Clash on P.D. You, Williams. You would have
3: to look into the terms of the match, but I do believe if he hit it on DeMore, he would have won the match. Mm,
2: if he had have run outside and hit it on Don West, would it no, have counted? No, that's a
3: disqualification. Come on. Why? Because it's Don. Fine, Mike. It's like reverse Dup Cup rules, whereas you you got points on attacking JB, you get DQ'd for attacking Don. Okay, fair enough. What if he did the Styles Clash to JB? Oh, that's fine. Okay, that's a win? Ideally through a table. You get bonus points for the table. Ooh. <laughs> there should be like a running Dup Cup tally. Oh, the lineal Dub Cup champion. It should just be a board next to the announce desk that they never acknowledge, but there's just points being accrued based on the Dub Cup criteria, and they just update it constantly.
2: Mm. If you had to put money on it, who do you think would be the current Dub Cup leader in 2023? Based on the Dub Cup
3: rules or like on a lineal fashion? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the and the rules. Honestly, it's probably somebody in AEW, because I feel like the Stampede and Anarchy in the Arena matches would very much tick a mm-hmm. lot of DUP Cup boxes. It, it, it's, it's probably, like, one of the best friends. Who attacks JB and NXT a lot? The fans. Ah, congratulations. The Oh, no, it's not Full Sail University anymore. It's the Performance Center, mm-hmm. isn't it? So congratulations to the WWE Performance Center on winning the DOP Cup. That seems about right. Uh, PD hits Styles with the belt, hits the Canadian Destroyer. He beats AJ Styles in the Styles Clash versus Canadian Destroyer match to have one up on AJ heading into their pay per view match, which was pretty good, but not great. Uh, yeah, because they had the match of Victory Road last year, which was like a nine minute sprint, which I thought was ultimately a lot better. Whereas this is like the full eighteen yeah. minute exhibition title match between these two, and it was pretty. It good. was
2: like it was fine.
3: The obvious highlight, uh, first AJ hits a flip dive where he lands ass first on the rail.
2: (laughs) That's the coolest
3: part, is AJ dying. Yeah, which is is, is bad enough. But then, PD Williams does a thing that you see teased in wrestling matches all the time. Like, I can't even think about the number of times you've seen somebody tease the idea of a German suplex off the apron. Understandably, people very rarely actually do it, because that bump would suck. (laughs) Of course. Here... PD teases the German suplex off the apron and instead German suplexes AJ Styles back first onto the guardrail. <laughs> it's such a dumb bomb. He just died he's just dead his back is broken he never wrestled again it's all over for AJ Styles this was it
2: but no because AJ
3: is a weird Gumby man he I don't understand how he works he just he just keeps going. like this should kill a man <laughs> he is German Suplex he should be impaled on that rail he should have also lost his ass on the dive literally and then <laughs> I lost his back I think like the way they set this up so <laughs> A1 clears out the crowd and A1's standing in like the crowd so I think what they're meant to do Is PD is meant to German suplex AJ from the apron over the rail into like the first couple of rows where A1 catches him. Mm -hmm.
2: Yes. Uh, uh, You know, a reasonable spot.
3: Again, crazy as it, like, that's a stupid spot. And even to think it's like, German off the apron, we're going to clear the rail, everything will be fine. (laughs) Even to think that stupid, but the way it works out that he does not clear the rail, he just lands back first on the well, rail. I
2: think it's because like PD goes too low, mm. like he like drops his hips too low,
3: and it might, yeah, it might it might just be the thing that like PD like I, I don't know how he does that to clear the rail because like. I think he's shorter than AJ. Because, and
2: also Petey has to be aware that he's jumping backwards and not to slam his own head in the back of the mm. I- into the, the guardrail. So it's like he was probably trying to protect himself which like put him at a lower angle which then just
3: drove AJ's <laughs> shoulder
2: first into it.
3: I actually think A1 felt being like alright I'm going to catch AJ. I'm gonna, okay, Oh no.
2: No he's a worker so he jumped over there and kicked him a couple times to get escorted out like he was meant yeah, to. Yeah
3: he got booted for that. Uh, Petey took a flip bump on the forearm. Joe came out and watched on from the ramp of style to the middle Rope Stars clash for the win and stared down Samoa Joe, who we will talk about more in a moment. Um yeah, good match. It's only really notable for that rail bump because that rail bump is actually insane. Yeah, just
2: the the couple big AJ bumps in this match really, which mm. you can see on our Twitter,
3: so you don't even have to watch the whole match. Yeah. So the other big thing in the X-Division was a bunch of X-Division matches leading to Elimination X. So the tag match I talked about earlier, the Styles and Sanjay against Shelly and Strong match was kind of building toward that. On that same show, there was a Christopher Daniels versus Jarrell Clark kind of squash. Mm-hmm. Not a full squash, but a kind of A squash. competitive squash. Uh, the idea is like Daniels might be a little unhinged because he lost the Iron Man match, he lost his rematch, so it might to almost speculate about what his psyche might be. But Clark misses a moonsault, Daniels falls with an Angel's Wings for the win. Which takes us to the primetime special, in, in which Alex Shelley, Samoa Joe, and Christopher Daniels defeated AJ Styles, Austin Aries, and Sanjay. This match is
2: awesome. (laughs) It's like an ROH, PWG, Dragon Gate, whatever you want to call it, six-man, where they're doing a million things, everyone's bumping around and dying, and, like, like you're about to say, the talent,
3: the talent in it is wild. like, Alex Shelley, Samoa Joe, and Christopher Daniels versus AJ Aries and Josh. Like... How, uh, like, you think about WWE during this era and think about the talent they could have had access to. And then you see a match like this, it's just like, this is just a a mid-carat X-Division match. It's like, WWE had fucking Rob Conway on TV all the time. Mm, Con Man. No, we don't want any of this. We need Heidenreich. We need Luther Reigns. We need all these guys. It's like, this is what was out there. Because they're big. Good lord. And even TNA didn't weren't like, making the fullest access. They were during this period, thankfully, though we don't have a a ton of Aries and Strong. We only have a little bit of Aries and Strong. But, man, (laughs) just the names of the match.
2: I love the, like, entrance of this when, like, because Shelly, Joe, and Daniels are all wearing matching blue gear. Mm. But, like, (laughs) Shelly is, like, scared of Joe (laughs) in the entrance. And he, like, he does his pose, but then he's like, make sure to get out of the way of Joe. (laughs)
3: Daniel should have been more scared of Joe as it turns out yeah I I liked the like little the three heels were all kind of like iffy on each other Mm. So, like the main story of the match aside from the moves is that like Daniels and Joe are not getting along so like Joe's going for the face wash he does the first few of them and then Daniels just blind tags himself in before he can actually do the proper face wash um Joe then angrily tags back into face off with AJ every time AJ and Joe do anything in this era it's like oh those two wrestlers have been tailor-made for each other from the ground up is <sighs> just
2: that's like this is what Daniels is really good at mm-hmm. is you get him in these kind of matches where he tells very subtle stories and you're like oh ah, what's gonna happen from then after it pays off for something more blatant and bigger. But, like, just the little bits during the match, which are, like, easy to miss sometimes.
3: There, there's, like, yeah, as I said, there's more obvious ones where it's like, oh, Daniels accidentally uh, hits Joe with a high knee and, they, they're, 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 and Joe accidentally clotheslines Daniels, which is a, a, a lot less subtle, not a little less subtle. But, like, yeah, the little thing where it's like Joe is doing the face wash, a very obvious Joe move, and he does the first few, you know, rake the boot across the faces, and then Daniels just ties himself in. It's like, that kind of obliviousness is great. And
2: Daniels is also really good at, like, Selling like the attitude of like it wasn't intentional, mm. you know, that like he was just doing his regular match stuff, like he, it had, well, like it wasn't him taking a shot, it was just him wanting to do whatever, you know, like it was him trying to win the match in his own way.
3: Mm. So Styles shoved Daniels into Joe, won with the Styles Clash on Shelly. Like, this match is so good. It's just uh, a million moves. It's nine minutes, I want to say. And they just condense everything into that nine minutes. And it's just unbelievable with the level of talent in it. And as I said, it's not just moves. You do get, you know, the the Daniels and Joe story weaves in and then comes out of it. Uh, Also, when the match started, there was a handful of uh, fans who started chanting, Yeah, well, fair. Big Rage fans in the Impact Zone. Um, But yeah, this match rocks. This match, I think, is one of the more underrated TV matches in Impact history, in the 1,000 episodes of Impact. Um, It's a shame that Ares, during this phase, obviously there's Ring of Honor stuff that he falls out, and then comes back as Austin Starr, which absolutely stinks. Which is like, Why? (laughs) but like Aries during this phase anytime he's on TV like he hits a crucifix bomb on Joe he looks like he's just so explosive <laughs> he's really good for TV wrestling in particular because like all of his stuff has snap all of his stuff has explosion like his brain is 450 his drop kicks in the corner crucifix all bomb. of his stuff has impact yeah ooh puns but <laughs> he's I think he's really really well made for TV wrestling in particular and so is Roddy but Roddy doesn't get as much a chance to show it during this period but anytime like Austin Aries is on tv he pops and it's a, it's a shame there wasn't more aries coming out of this fa- and then when he came back he was a doofy idiot which is stupid
2: he <laughs> gets there eventually he
3: does get there eventually uh joe faces aries on the go home it's just fun
2: it's just a fun cool little tv match
3: in which it's announced at the pay-per-view it will be an Elimination X match. So it's Joe, Daniels, Shelley, and Strong against Sabin, Dutt, Bentley, and Aries in an Elimination X match at the pay-per-view. It's an eight-man tag team elimination match. So Daniels is on commentary and he's officially dubbed his team The Ministry and he has appointed himself captain, which I'm sure Samojo will be greatly pleased with. He will not have a problem with that at all. Samojo,
2: notorious guy happy taking a a backseat.
3: He loves Christopher Daniels. He's going to follow Christopher Daniels' leadership, no problem. The Ministry, by the way. A big Ring of Honor sickles. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's Team Ministry as opposed to the, the Ministry? Just the really Ministry saying. of Darkness. <laughs> uh, Joe beats Ares with the Muscle Buster. Uh, every time Ares hits the Crucifix bomb on Joe, it rocks because it's Joe. because
2: yeah, because is a big-ass man dropping on his big-ass Very head. Good.
3: That does bring us to the match itself in the pay-per-view, which is an eight-man tag team elimination match. And there's a lot of stuff going on in this match.
2: Yeah, recap this one.
3: <laughs> uh, I actually I thought the TV match was better than this by, yeah, by a decent margin but it's it's these guys in the ring you you add Strong you take you took AJ out that's the difference maker you see you added Matt Bentley
2: nice of you not to bury Roderick Strong
3: <laughs> Dot does one too many revolutions in the round of world round and he just fell off he just fell off the round of world round he was doing it on I think Roddy and he's just like boop dropped on the mat uh, he on Dot before a hot tag to Ares Saban Dutt and Ares did stereo dives you don't get stereo dives enough anymore mm. I think you still do a lot. You get a lot of dive sequences where, like, you, you get one dive after another. But these dudes hit, like, Ares did the low dive and Sabin and Shelly did over-the-top dives. And they did them simultaneously. And that's cool. More people should do simultaneous dives. I think it still happens quite a lot. Name one instance.
2: <laughs> uh, All-in elite six-man tag. Damn. <laughs>
3: I was live at that show, mm, too. But you weren't watching. That's true. I was busy sending TNA tweets. Aries eliminates Strong with a brain buster and 450. Daniels then eliminated Aries with a roll-up. Shelly submits Duck with the Border City Stretch. Bentley then catches Shelly with a super kick for the elimination. Uh. I- time. He's really good at that. Bentley goes into a victory roll position on Daniels, but Joe plucks him off of Daniel's shoulders for the muscle buster and eliminates him with the King of Chlots, which is a cool setup for the muscle buster. And then the, the big dramatic finish, Joe goes to muscle buster Saban, but Bentley who was eliminated grabbed Joe's leg from the floor and pulls him out. And Daniels you know, just as you said earlier, not like stealing the win or anything. Because Joe's been pulled out, he just steps in hits the Angels wings on, jo- on Saban and wins. Daniels and Joe are your survivors. They win in that elimination match 2-0, I guess... And Joe's so pissy. And like, because like, unlike the, the TV match where they do like a, a bunch of spots where they don't get along, like they did get along in this. There, there wasn't like periods in this. Yeah. They, they got along. Everything was fine. You know, they won. They because were... they
2: already, they already established that this like tension. They didn't need to re-establish it again. And they
3: did do a backstage promo before this where Franchise had Daniel, Shelley and Strong and Shelley was like, we seem to be missing a person here, Chris. Shelley poking the bit. Yeah, was like, it's fine. Everything will be fine. We'll lead our ministry team to success it's gonna be good joe joe knows what we're doing we're on the same page so daniels beats saban doesn't steal the win but joe was going to win and daniels just followed up to score the win and joe is joe yeah. is not pleased joe is very, no. <laughs> very very mad so daniels tries to talk him down he's like we won the match everything's fine and then uh, joe beats the living shit out of christopher daniels hmm joe smashes daniels in the skull with a chair which causes daniels to bleed joe then kicks his head into the rail hits a muscle buster and it's awesome as he's holding him in the muscle buster on the shoulder daniels blood starts dripping down joe's like shoulder and like breast area so cool breast area yeah, your, your breast your, your <laughs> why
2: pec. did you say breast instead of chest but,
3: uh, it's a particular like your, your breast bone <laughs> Fucking perfect. Wow. You make everything sex with you, isn't it? First it's Raven. It's
4: a, it's a breast area. It, what are we doing? It is an
3: area of your chest. <laughs> Lee was like, do men have breasts?
2: <laughs> like what subject do men have breasts? <laughs>
3: yeah, you have a breast bump. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Bound for Glory was the color episode. And this is the leave is horny episode. But this is not- a, this
4: is the opposite of horny! No, fine.
2: <laughs> You're the one who said blood dripped down onto his voluptuous breast.
3: Yeah. Would you prefer me to say Get pep? the fuck out of here. <laughs> I also don't think it's technically the breastbone. But <laughs> I think I'm scientifically wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and morally.
3: Ethically as well. <laughs> fucking, uh,
2: yeah. This is like one of the cool He has the blood towel This is what we're fucking talking yeah, about. Yeah,
3: Daniels bleeds on Joel's booby. And then gets hit with a muscle buster. (laughs) And then he hits another muscle buster on a chair and uh, rubs the blood onto his towel, puts it over his shoulder and stands there. AJ does come out and starts watching on, concerned from the ramp.
2: It's really funny that AJ's like, whoa, it's a little much. (laughs) (laughs) Even for hated rival Christopher Daniels. AJ never tried to kill
3: Daniels. He did just try to beat Daniels.
2: He's like, whoa, man, taking it a bit far
3: emts tend to daniels they they've struggled very badly to get a stretcher in a ring because yeah. <laughs> they do a bit where they try to like uh, carry it over the top rope and they're like no that's not gonna work and then they're like well, let's just roll daniels onto it and they don't like strap him to it or anything which i think is bad uh paramedic practice uh so yeah don west goes and gets an update daniels is taken away by ambulance as don's like hey you okay <laughs> is, is he's dead yes is the answer. Has he bled out in a man's breast i'm saying it. <laughs> Um so yeah that's, the, that's the, big, the the this is a great angle that may not have worked cuz the crowd were like fuck yeah beat the shit out of Christopher Daniels <laughs> Because, like, from, like, a very traditional wrestling angle, I think they did everything right. Mm -hmm. They gave it a ton of time. Like, I think the post match was, like, eight minutes long. It wasn't the case where he did the turn and they cut away or they didn't, like, stay on Daniels after he got the shit kicked out of him. They did all of, like, the little things you're supposed to do right here. Other than the fact that the crowd were very into the fact that Samoa Joe was beating the shit out of Christopher Daniels. I think that comes from it being heel-heel?
2: I, I I was going
3: to say, I think it's a lot more. Joe's just too cool for his own good. Yeah, but if he was doing it to Shark Boy. Or, like, I, I think he'd get heed if he did it to age. Yeah. And I guess yeah, you didn't really get the sympathy you might have wanted on Daniels. Yeah, because
2: Daniels is, like, a historic bastard. Yeah,
3: he is a mean man. He, like, the the idea is he's meant to be wronged here. And, like, he will do the comeback and it'll be fine. And they'll have one of the best TV matches in Impact History in April. You can look forward to that. that I'm looking stuff. forward to that. Um, Because their pay-per-view match is only, like, decent. And then they have that TV match, which is fucking awesome. But, yeah, like, good angle really well executed, good match. Naturally leads us into AJ and Joe next month. They may have a good... You match.
2: also get the AJ talking about it segment.
3: Oh yeah, before the, the PD match, he's like "There, there is a code in the X-Division and he broke that code. An unwritten,
2: an unwritten code of respect. <laughs> he's getting more like Hick every mm-hmm. time.
3: A code of honour. Some might say it is a code of honour, but we don't use that word around here. <laughs> it's a fight without honour. <laughs> no, it's an insanity in the what was the sa- thing sa- it was
2: insanity in the soundstage we're,
3: we're we're going to insanity in the soundstage we have a lot of sanity around here we need some insanity it was an
2: obstruction of justice in orlando
3: <laughs> there's a lot of those i think in florida <laughs> as a general rule
2: yeah it was a oh, sh- shut up i can do one more i can do one more sh- shut mm-hmm. up uh it was and incarceration in the impact zone <laughs>
3: undertaking in
2: universal Ooh, that's very good I'm still thinking. I'm still thinking. <laughs> I, mean, I remember the one from the watch along now,
3: which was a fracas in Florida. A fracas in Florida is a pretty good one. <laughs> that's a pretty good that one. That feels like that would have been like a 1986 NWA fracas in Florida. Yeah, big Dusty Rhodes yeah, main event in the big. fracas in Florida. oh
2: that'd be awesome. That that's like it reminds me of I I absolutely adored Quake at the Lake mm. <laughs> when AEW did that one for like what was that was that Brody King Darby Allen. I fucking loved Quake at the Lake. Quake at
3: the Lake. What was the Jericho and Mox one? That had a name too, it? I think, it? was
2: that Quake at the Lake as well? Might have been. Oh, Quake by the Lake, first of mm, all. Of
3: course. That's like in Long Island, uh, Long Island versus on Long Island. You're by the lake. You're not in yeah, the lake.
2: In Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, oh my God! The main event got four and three quarter stars
3: from Dave Meltzer, and yet he didn't give Sabu anything. What a yeah, what a
2: bitch is. Um, Yeah, it
3: was yeah it was Darby
2: and Brody in the coffin match, but it was also Moxley and Jericho. Oh, it was both. Yeah, it was Jade Cargill versus Madison Rayne. Ricky Starks versus Aaron Solo.
3: Dream match.
2: <laughs> Luchasaurus versus Anthony Henry. Three. Why? And a match I actually think kind of rocks uh, Andrade and Roosh versus the Lucha Brothers.
3: Yeah, that's a good yeah. match.
2: I remember I rewatched that show a couple times, actually, because I was like, that's a good-ass show.
3: But speaking of things you wouldn't want to rewatch, you know what time it is. <sighs> Beware. It's Turn Around the Show <laughs> They're coming out for you. with 3LK Family Drama. It's the end of the show with the three live crew.
1: This
0: mother
5: is a bad girl.
3: The October twenty nine impact, we already talked about this match, but it was the Trail L K against AMW match where Kip and Conan argued after, so they're they're mad at each other. It's very unlike them, but they're mad at each mm-hmm. other. So later in that show, 3LK are in Larry's office and they want to finish it with Team Canada. Kip comes in. Larry booked a rematch between 3LK and Team Canada at Genesis. But Kip has a suggestion. He's going to pitch it. He's going to be special referee. And Conan's like, fuck no, you suck. Hell yeah, Conan. But then Kip is like, I could have killed you with that chair at Bamford Glory, but I didn't. And then Conan called him a bitch and had to be dragged away. It's always nice <laughs> uh, i love conan he is angry and he is us he is us wrestling fans are racist he, he, you know, you, you know <laughs> his famous line
2: yeah <laughs> wasn't he like racist he recently he did say
3: something i can't even remember what it was but he did say something it was something
2: him. about like takesta
3: that was a little bit problematic but yeah <laughs> Listen, he is a wrestling fan so he is only speaking the truth wrestling fans are racist i don't think he's a fan uh, November twelfth impact. Kip James faced Lex Lovett. Sorry, I'm just noticing. <laughs> oh, I hadn't noticed. Uh, <laughs> so there was a video on this show with the November twelfth impact for uh, elimination X. It was set to a song called "Me Again," but they didn't give any details about the band. So I was, I was uh, like, yeah. "Me Again" is a pretty like bland title. There's not a lot. There's probably a lot of songs called "Me Again," but I'm gonna find this. this one could be twelve fuzzy songs. So I typed "Me Again" into Spotify, and the sixty fourth option when you search it in Spotify. <laughs> was Me Again by a band called Seven System. Yeah,
2: I'm going to click this link. Uh,
3: their website was last updated in 2017. When you look through the website, one of the very few stories that are there is that they have been featured on TNA television. Not even for this instance, for one in 2006. If
2: you're a fan of wrestling and a fan of Seven System... Check it out. I don't
3: think there's many people in that crossover because I don't think there's anybody who's a fan of Seven System. I can
2: still buy stuff on their store. Would you like
3: to buy a Seven System t-shirt?
2: No, Garrett, can you buy me a
3: Seven System signed glossy? Uh, maybe. Let me take a look at their store. Let's see what's going on it's, here. It's $2. You can get the CD combo pack yeah. for Altered State and Hope Arises. Yeah. Let's go.
2: On, let's have a look at their tour dates. They don't have any. No upcoming shows. I was very
3: disappointed. I was like, I'm going to go see this random band who had a song on Impact One. Let's go
2: to their contact form.
3: Dear Seven <laughs> System. Dear Seven System. Liam, we are a TNA history podcast.
2: Liam Jones, you've got. We don't have a <laughs> four games pod <laughs> email. I'll give, I'll give him my phone number.
3: But <laughs> no, don't. Don't give all your details to Seven System. Which plan are you interested in? <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> you're. You're. I think you're signing up for Scientology. Uh, not again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> comments. Can. Can F- I click F- for me once? So in October 2010, E Bush left a, a a comment on lyrics for one of the songs. Okay. E Bush says, "This is great a great blessing. May Hashem bless uh, you and all you are doing. Keep on rocking the message of the Messiah." Are they like a Jesus band? I want to look at what... admin. (laughs) Luke says, you guys should seriously get back together. Your music rocks.
2: Alright. You guys have an awesome sound. I found you in December 2006 listening to WTXR 89.7 Tacoa Falls College Radio located in northeast Georgia. The song I loved was Overwhelmed. I didn't know who the artist was for months. Finally found out who the artist was and fell in love with Seven System. I purchased both CDs, Altered State and Hope Arises. If there are more CDs... Uh, open bracket, works of wonder, close bracket, somebody let me know. Maybe Seven System is working on a new album. That would be awesome. If the name has changed, I would like to know that too. This band needs to keep producing. We need more of you. To which Admin responded, unfortunately Seven System has been active for over a year now. No plans for new music in the future. Thanks for the comment.
3: How much of a bummer must it be to discover this one band who suddenly become your favourite band and then you're like, they're gone and they're never coming back and they reply to your message two months later saying, we're gone and never coming back?
2: (laughs) Well, probably from someone who responded to a post from 2006. They are a Jesus band! They were on Christian Music Weekly.
3: They are plugging that you can find their music on your local Christian radio stations. Oh, the waiting bedroom jam. very angry. Wait,
2: this is a 2022 post for Seven Systems. What?
3: The most recent one I see is 2017. Where have you found the post? Uh, From (laughs) Lumpdog.
2: He posted the waiting bedroom jam. 2022. Fight conformity. Betrayed.
3: So yeah, their music it seems to be featured a bunch on TNA, because there's a few posts about it in, into, like, 2006, so... We'll be hearing more of 7 System. Are you
2: gonna buy the signed glossy? It is
3: two bucks. I wonder if I did buy that, would yeah. it actually get to Can me? Can we do a giveaway on the Patreon? We'll give you a 7 System signed glossy.
2: we a 7 System signed glossy,
3: and we'll also sign it. <laughs> T- TNA Wrestling's favourite band, 7 System.
2: It <laughs> just has our two signatures on the bottom. <laughs> We'll
3: slap a little you've got to be kidding
2: me sticker on. You, can you buy it and then you do my signature too. Okay. And we'll give it away to one lucky Patreon subscriber.
3: <laughs> I'm not going to give these people my details, but if I can buy this through PayPal, I'm going to buy yeah,
2: it. Yeah, it. it's even, even going it through PayPal.
3: I need to give them all my details the first. Nope. Fuck off. Sorry. Oh,
2: we You should do a giveaway of some stupid shit at some point. You still got those Garrett Bischoff 8x10s I bought you? <laughs> I do think I do still have those Garrett Bischoff 8x10s. Should we, should we, do, should we do a Garrett Bischoff 8x10 giveaway? i have to double check. <laughs> and you can sign it. Mm. <laughs> Garrett Bischoff 8x10 signed by Garrett Kidney. <laughs> Coming soon to the Patreon.
3: I like this. Like, it's my personal Garrett Bischoff 8x10 that was gifted to me by you and thus I've signed. I think I,
2: I got i think i bought you like five i
3: think you got me a tigre uno mask at one stage too yeah
2: but i think i i specifically ordered like 10 Garrett Bishop of by 10 uh kip james and lex love it yeah whatever who gives a shit
3: oh they have this like circular pole thing hanging from the ceiling now that has like rotating logos on oh that's cool i like it I, I don't think it lasts very long but i'm like yeah that's neat yeah
2: i first noticed that on the the prime time show
3: so, Lovett does a very funny-looking moonsault elbow in the corner that Kip James then takes an equally funny-looking bump for because he should not be taking any bumps for Lex Lovett. <laughs> uh, wins with the one and only. Canadians come out. BG and Killings makes a save. Conan walks down the ramp and throws a shirt... Uh, throws a shoe at e- what? He, shirt? He fucks a shoe <laughs> He at e. does fuck a shoe. James forms fucking bottles. <laughs> Sabu is fucking chairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's Conan's fucking shoes. There's
2: some reason specifically he fucked
4: his shoe and him
3: really made me laugh <laughs> uh throws a shoe at ey but doesn't join bg ron and kip in the ring
2: this is unhinged mm. now
3: <laughs> at some stage it's made a pole match but i don't remember where oh no before this match yeah, like yeah demore is in larry's office and larry larry granted the finisher versus finisher match tonight so demore is like i have another idea how about this 3lk versus Team Canada match, we make it a hockey stick and a pole match. We put hockey sticks in all the corners. How about that?
2: And Larry's like, that's fucking stupid. And then, then Scott DeMore's like, it'll increase the buys. (laughs) Larry's like, buys? And Larry's like, it'll increase the buys? Alright, yeah, let's do it. And you know what? Kip James will be the special referee. And Scott Moore's like, Wait,
3: no no, what? The classic heel gets what he wants, but doesn't get it the way he wants, which is always a good act. I,
2: I just I loved his justification of think of how much money it's gonna make if we have
3: if we have him on pole. Think of the thousands and thousands of people who are buying Genesis to see the hockey stick at a pole match. By that logic, every match should have been it. Uh, this is why Vince Russo was the, the best pay per view uh, buy rate person ever, because of all of his poll matches. The best pay per view buy rate person That's ever. a statistical thing. It's in WrestleMomics. Brandon yeah. talks about this all the I'll time. Talk,
2: next time I talk to Brandon, I'll, be, I'll bring <laughs> that one pay-per-view up. the best pay per
3: view buy rate person ever. Imagine. Because if you were to actually ask that question to Brandon, he would probably think you're talking about, like, who drew best, and not, like, <laughs> who had the best ideas. Mm. Uh, on the pay per view, Tree Live crew faced Team Canada in a six sided stick fight with Kip James as the special referee. Uh, they accidentally shot the wrong tunnel during Kip's entrance. They were like, Kip's coming out, music hits, camera on, empty tunnel for like 15 seconds before it was like, oh, he's over the other side. <laughs> uh, so there are poles on all six corners with hockey sticks. The the rules are that the legal man at any given moment can pull a stick down and use it. Okay. <laughs> How do you feel about this as a stipulation? You're stupid as shit. <laughs> so immediately, Eric Young puts on some head protection and tries to use the hockey stick as the illegal man. Uh, Kip James takes it, snaps it, and also takes his headgear, which seems really kind of Stabbing? Stabbing? Oh, right. I thought you were like, he should take the... She should have shanked
2: Eric with, Young. With the
3: half of the hockey stick, because it's probably, like, jagged mm. enough to do a decent job stabbing somebody. Yeah, I'd give it a go. Uh, Conan puts his shoe over the top of the hockey stick and starts ramming people with it, which I think is not very effective, but I appreciate the creative... Who's fucking the shoe? <laughs> three live crew, can you fuck a hockey stick? Can it try? Uh, three live crew hit the like the waz up leg drop deal they do, but truth with the split leg thing thing. Uh mm-hmm. onto a hockey stick for the three live crew win, and then Conan fist bumped BG as they're they're getting along now. <gasps> wow, this is truly the bloodline. I guess it's no longer three live crew family drama, it's now a three live crew all friends wrestling. It's the blood live because they're getting along the blood <laughs> life crew oh no it's the bloodline no Who <laughs> why have you is st- the tribal chief beware coming for you it's the remix the blood live crew that is November 2005, and we will be back in a week or so with the- A million years. Although well, we already recorded the next Lucha Underground, so that's fine. Uh-huh. We, are, we actually have that in the can already, so that'll go out on time, don't worry about that. We'll also have the uh, G1 episode of- yeah the rain takers and then coming up uh, after that we will have the turning point 2005 episode of you've got to be kidding me one of the better papers in TNA history i think but that's coming up in the next month or so or whenever who knows uh, when liam doesn't have a uh, weird uh, internet failures mid-podcasts that we have to record three days later
2: it's been good this time i my, I, I, I found the 5g <laughs> Um, yes, I injected it in my brainstem, and now it's good.
3: Yeah, then between that and the gravity thing, you're <laughs> you're veering down a worrying path. Here, Leo. you
2: know, you know, I'm just saying things that I don't want you to know. From
3: just asking questions, as they always say. Mm
2: i'm just yeah I, i'm just asking questions all right and if you don't want me to ask questions you know what that means that means you're trying to suppress me all right you're trying to suppress my view and my world knowledge oh, hit the free speech it's it's my constitutional <laughs>
3: right you'll never know what free speech means follow us on twitter at you've got to be kidding me follow me on twitter at Garekini. liam on twitter at the Gleep so you can hear all his latest conspiracy theories follow us on youtube at you've got to be kidding me on tiktok at DNA history thanks for listening and bye-bye get out of here that's like the opposite of mortal kombat
0: (laughs) get out of here